It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Dan Barrero, weekdays 3 to 6 30. From the KFAN Bryant Heating and Cooling Studios on FM 100. Point three KFXN Minneapolis St. Paul The Fan I think anyone who puckers up their lips and presses it against their boss's buttocks and then smooches is an ass kisser. I seem to be inept at everything except my work. I'm good at my work. And I confine myself to that. All I want out of life is a 30 share and a 20 rating. The man's enlarged my mind. Uh, uh, he's a poet, warrior in the, in the classic sense. Uh, I'm a little man. I'm a little man. He's he's a great man. Think of it as colors. There's black and there's white. And in between is mostly gray. That's us. Now, gray is a tough color because it's not as simple as black and white. And for the media, certainly not as interesting. But it's who we are. Streets of St. Louis Leader Fan Fan Radio Network. KFAN.com. One minute and 22 seconds past the hour of 3 o'clock Central. Daylight saving time. The Bumper to Bumper show is on the air. It's a three and a half hour tour and it starts right now on what I might describe as a rather blustery Thursday afternoon here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. My name is Dan Barrero. I host the program. Guardsy produces the show. And we are delighted that you chose to join what we like to affectionately call the afternoon aardvark. Two very good guests today. We'll get to give you more in-depth detail on... Well, two confirmed. Are we still negotiating on a third, or is that iffy? Uh, Well, it's gone quiet, is is all I know. So we're working on a third. He might be tired of us. I wouldn't blame him. And I, he's been on with us pretty much every day since the playoffs began. So um, we'll see if we can roust Russo Radio one more time. If not, we've got some reinforcements that I think will help us out in that regard as well. Giveaways are not plentiful today. In fact, I don't think we have any today, do we? Or do we? Oh, they're up there on the screen. They are. I just added them. Yeah. Do you not see anything on the screen? No. I've got um, the get. They've got the Metropolitan Ford lineup. Who's on there? Wes Walls, three thirty. Yeah. And at four fifteen, Steve Palazzolo, yeah. Pro Football Focus, and it ends there. 
Really? Yeah. Well, right under there, you should see Vikings Draft Fest yeah. ticket giveaway as well as Wild Playoff Survival Kit giveaway. It's all, it's all blue. Uh, I'll take your word for it that maybe our system isn't working right. So we do have some giveaways. We do have That's a couple of giveaways, yeah. The survival kit that each of us, I think, received. Well, I got two, two because I'm the ambassador, hockey ambassador. I got a second. I think I got the super-duper deluxe survival kit in addition to the one everybody else got. Oh, I didn't even know about yeah, this. Yeah, there's two survival kits. There's the starter survival kit. That you and can then buy there's for 20 bucks at the lodge. The deluxe survival kit. I got that, too. What was in the deluxe, if you don't mind? I mean, well, am I even allowed to To, to be know? honest, I'm not sure I even remember everything was in it. I, I gave it to Giovanzi. Oh. She loved it, and um, but I don't remember what was there. I'm guessing it was there was a, another puck. Maybe a Homer Hanky. Um, and I don't remember everything else, but it was impressive. There's no question. It was impressive looking as well. Um, I mentioned off the top of the program that we are indeed your panic in the streets of St. Louis, Missouri leader. What it, the hell's going on out here? Instructive to find out that this is not the only town that might be capable of overreacting to a single loss. Now, I guess you could say eventually those who are panicking will be vindicated if the Minnesota Wild end up coming from behind and actually winning this series. Something that has been done, what do we say, four times, three times before in hockey? In hockey? In hockey, I think it was three times before. There was a baseball one mixed in. Yeah. But for now, it, it man, I... You gave me, I think it was two game stories and one, no, one game story and two columns. And on the basis of what is being offered up in St. Louis, the Blues might as well not even make the return trip to Minnesota. They're better off licking their wounds, um, meeting up and, and, and getting to the bottom of what can we do to get better for next season. They're making it sound like that the door has opened so wide it'll be an upset and a shock if the Blues come back and win this series. Don't you think? It's it bizarre. Was strange, it, yes. It's, and look, I, I get it. I'm not a, a goofball. I mean, maybe if I were writing off of that game, I'd have and I was writing out of St. Louis, I'd have said the same thing. You got the blue, you know, you got the wild right where you want them. Don't mess around. Don't tempt fate. You're the underdog. So go out and finish them off right here. And I will say that um, the Blues came out in the first period in Game 4 like the Wild came out in Game 3, to be honest with you. And maybe some of it was that, that, well, you you got a chance to put your boot on their throat. Do it. And let's just end this thing, call it a day, wait for a couple of uh, injured players to get healthy, and you got extra time before you get to the next round of the playoffs, quite likely not against the Chicago Blackhawks, which is another thing that you should feel good about, right? But, I mean, look at this. Uh, Benjamin Hockman, who I think I quoted last week. Suddenly, casual blues find they're in a series. It's frustrating. See, I would argue this. To call this a series yet is premature. Even though I said yesterday, I didn't think the Wild would win game four. But if they did, I think they will take it to six. I agree. But 
to me, in a series in which one team wins the first three games, you're you're not allowed to call it a series until at least it gets the three to two, I would say. And, you know, Hockman's, I mean, basically saying it's over. Um, Jeremy Rutherford, Blues take first period off, pay for it with game four loss. Blues had more motivation than perhaps needed going into game four of the Western Conference quarterfinal series against Minnesota, and somehow it wasn't enough. It's a little frustrating. Jeff Gordon, headline, Blues back off, throw wild, a lifeline. Well, that Obviously might be uh, you know, it's frustrating. a little more accurate, I guess, to, to put it. But I'll also say that um, I think the wild had a lot to do with throwing themselves a lifeline last night. I really do. I mean, I, I think... <sighs> Starting, starting with, I mean, we've talked about it. If we want to, res- we want to reduce this whole series to a battle of the goaltenders. Our goalie outplayed their goalie last night. He was good. He was he was good, and theirs was stupid on the first goal, setting up in effect the first goal. Well, to be fair, I mean, the Wild really haven't hit the net very often, <laughs> yeah, so why true. wouldn't he think? Yeah. Like, go ahead, throw. Well, he was just was awful casual about yeah, you know, sending the sending the puck around the edge, around the corner, felt, especially Coyle too. I was like, well, Coyle? Yes, Coyle. All right, well, yeah. his stick is going to break, so Coyle. I can throw wow. it to him. Well, yeah, he, Coyle played a brilliant all-around game. He was I'm tremendous. Not, I'm certainly not the first to say it, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I on the basis of history. If you're in the Blues position and you're already basically saying, well, we've blown it, maybe that in itself means you have. I, 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 it's, it's, statistically, no matter what the respective strengths are of the two teams, the numbers speak for themselves. You're up 3-0, was it 96% of the time? Whatever the percentage is, it's high. You're going to end up winning the series, even if you don't end up getting the brooms out and getting... The sweep. So to, the, the, I just thought that the stuff the stuff was written like this is disgusting. Like it was How game you, six. Yeah, they had a chance exactly. to close out right a, there. A, game six. Forcing a game seven. Reaction would make sense. You're exactly right. You're at home, and you you know that's your last chance to wrap it up at home. But I'll say again, even if you do get to that, the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of teams that have gotten it back to 3-3, and I don't know how many of them had then Game 7 at home or not. That's a good stat to, to try to find if it exists. But the reality is, whether it's mathematical formula or something else, there's a reason it has very rarely happened that a team has come all the way back. And the way they the, the stories are written out of there is that St. Louis Blues fans left screaming and painful agony, assuming that they'll never see their team again. Well, they'll have to see their team again if the series keeps going. Yeah. If the Wild win game five, which will not be until Saturday. I believe that's... Saturday matinee. Yes. Oh, this coming game. This yes. coming Saturday, game. Saturday, 2 o'clock Saturday matinee game. And then game... A seven hour beyond the pond precedes that, is what my sources well, say. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, then game six would be back here on mo- Monday. Aren't we back on an every-other-day schedule? And I'm pretty sure game seven would be a week from yesterday. That sounds Wednesday correct. night yes. in St. Louis Mo. Yes. And, you know, again, you can look at it a lot of ways. If you win five 
and you somehow steal six, then the assumption is that you're going to win the series, that the Wild would win the series. I don't think hockey being hockey, you can ever make that assumption. All you can do if you're the Wild is keep the door open. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more than that. But overall, a very played a very good game, got commensurate goaltending that I know it seems like we're grading on a tough curve, hasn't been up to the level of the opposing goaltender. And for those who think that's all this series is about, and uh, I'm in the group that thinks it's, uh, along with Pat Micheletti, by the way, another guy who doesn't know anything about hockey, that there might be a little bit more involved than that. But the bottom line is you 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 had the best of both worlds. You, you dominated the play, and you had a better goaltender. Because I, I think... You know, we got lucky on a couple of uh, uh, pipes being hit. Although I think we hit one or two as well. Yep. But and we there were some over good the, over right. the course of the series. And there were some there, but there were some good quality opportunities. I think at that and that that Dubnik handled pretty well. Put it this way: if Dubnik plays at the same level he had through the first three games of the series, I'm not sure we're doing anything but a post mortem. Or maybe we're still at, we're like in our twelfth overtime. How long do they go to, before they suspend a game? Do we know? Is it what's the? I don't think I mean, there is one. So do they? I think they got to go. If they go, if it's four in the morning, yeah, they you're just going to keep going. It's well, not at some like point, we, one team's just going to run out of guys. They're, they're going to fall yeah, down, yeah, and it's going to be one on zero with the goaltender, basically. Yeah, that's a good point. Too. Yeah, they don't suspend it. I don't think. Um, we have also um, we mentioned. I mean, it, the the beauty of the victory in St. Louis is we avert the sweep. We avert the brooms. Sadly, it appears that the same cannot be said about your Minnesota Twins, who seem to be in a great danger of uh, getting swept, even though they had the lucky break yesterday of not having to face Corey Kluber, who, instead of being moved back from Thursday or from Wednesday to today, was moved from Wednesday to Friday. Probably part of the reason the Twins announced that the game was postponed, I think, at 10 in the morning yesterday. Wasn't about 10 or 10.30. We decided that pretty early. Oh, camp, no, nah, it's too wet. Can't play. Uh, doesn't matter. We're still finding a way to, well, we are losing. And um, we're losing on a day where we're not supposed to lose because Santana, Irvin Santana, was on the mound for us. We'll give you some details on that. We'll set up the guest lineup as well. Back in a minute. Time now for your chance to win a grand. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the word BANK to 200-200. You'll receive a confirmation text. Confirmed standard message and data rate supply. That's BANK to 200-200. Back after this, it's Ferrero on the fan. So, this, of course, is one of those red-letter days for the National Football League. It has turned into a cottage industry where every time Woodward or Bernstein are able to uh, get leaked to them a single game involving two teams on a specific date, it gets breathlessly revealed these days via Twitter. So, the beauty of it from the NFL is that instead of you know, one fell swoop because eventually the tonight 
the entire schedule is going to be revealed. They get endless hits as each leak takes place. For example, it appears that the Vikings will open the 2017 season at home on Monday night football against Adrian Peterson and the New Orleans Saints. It's all set up. It's no accident that that's who we're opening against. They already know in NFL offices that AP is going to end up there. Even if that's incredible, it's it's this. Anybody thinks that's that's you know just oh just happens to be that way? No. And let's face it, Monday Night Football has fallen so dramatically from what it was that they need that kind of a hook. Because I'm not sure at this juncture, Saints Vikings is going to galvanize the nation. Well, Gruden's going to like it. Add. That's true. We know Gruden will like it. You add an AP thing to it. Yeah. Coming back first game? At the People's Are Stadium. Are you kidding me? And if he gets loose, oh. I don't even know what PA will do. Honestly. If he goes like for 23 carries for 177 yards and two touchdowns, can you imagine? And he's loose! He's so, so effective that Drew Brees only throws 19 times. He becomes checked down Charlie. Yeah, basically says, here, yeah. another handoff? How about another draw play, AP? Think about it. And didn't you say you also found the other one that's being our Packers uh, yes, home and home? The Packers home and home. That's the other one that's being floated around. October fifteenth here at the People's Stadium. Okay. December twenty third there at Lambeau Field. Supposedly our the other thing I've read, this is via startribune.com, is that for the second straight year, the Vikings will host the Bears. In the season finale. Makes sense. So, whatever I mean, if that's the, worth. If the Vikings are playing the Packers, right. it would be another divisional game the next week, right? So, December Correct. 30th, probably. So, if more as more information comes out, we'll be glad to uh, to let you know exactly how it People goes. get into it, man. The Gerbschmidt tweet, I'm an owner. I know all the games. I just can't release them yet. Ha, 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 ha. That's not funny. <clears throat> In any case... Do you think he tells Randy? If he let's just say if he knew the games, what just happened to Sano between first and second base? I don't know. I was looking at you. Did he get picked off? See if we got the replay the on here. it. We're watching MLB Network today. The Cleveland feed. Can we get what's going on here? Oh, they're showing. They're doing kind of the recap. They're of doing the Bauer's recap day. of Bauer, who's the slowest pitcher since uh, your guy Baker. Oh, he is effective. Big spot Scott effective. Well, more and more effective than Big Scott. See, I, I can I can tolerate a pitcher who labors and is slow if he's effective. At least be you. At least have to have the have decency the to be effective, don't you? You got to have one of the two. So Sano at first right now. Well, I'm all, well, maybe he just went back to first. Maybe it was a foul ball. I thought he'd left the base. Because on the little graphic, they had removed him from first, but uh, he's still on first. Here's the deal. Twins were, I don't want to say cruising along, because they only had scored two. But uh, they were up 2 nothing, and then 2-1 with Irvin Santana pitch. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work 
for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. But Santana, apparently, it must have been a messy, relatively speaking to his cleaner appearances, because his pitch count was so far over 100 that he only pitched six innings. So to start the seventh, Twins leading 2-1, your guy Duffy, who's been brilliant coming out of the pen. Is it Tyler Duffy? That's his name. He comes in and doesn't get the best of luck. Oh, beautiful play by the second baseman for Cleveland. Oh, it's not a double play, but a fielder's choice. Definitely uh, taking the force, uh, uh, the, the lead runner out. So it's two out a runner at first instead of what would have been first and third and one out in a 4-2 to two game Cleveland now leading. But I go back to the seventh. At the beginning of that inning, we were up 2-1. Diaz reaches on an infield single. Almonte then strikes out swinging. Then another infield hit by Perez sends Diaz to second, at which point Molly goes to the pen because everybody goes to the pen these days. And We were trying to move the Cleveland switch hitters around to bat right-handed. Rodgers comes in to relieve Duffy. Martinez runs for Perez. And then the key hit, really the only legitimate hit of the inning, Santanazi lashes a double down the left field line. Diaz scores the tying run. Martinez goes to third. We intentionally walk Lindor. And then guess what we do? We walk Brantley with the bases loaded. Duffy is relieved by Belial, and after Encarnacion pops out the second, Belial gives up a bases-loaded walk to Ramirez. That scores the fourth Cleveland run. Frustrating. So they get three runs on, it's three hits, but only one that was actually hit solidly, although you told me the Twins got ahead yes. pretty much the same way. It wasn't like they were tattooing the ball. Other than, let's give Joe he his got a double, due. apparently. I he didn't see it. He got his first extra base hit. Did they let him keep the ball? Oh, pretty good. I, see, I wasn't watching it. I got to believe that they called for the ball, yeah. didn't they? The dugout? I, I'm sure they did. They may have stopped it and given some kind of presentation. Yeah. Maybe that's why I thought that inning was taking so long. Remember I told you when I happened upon the inning, Correct. it was first and third with one out. And then when I happened back to it, it was the bases were loaded mm. with one out still, and it felt like 20 minutes. So maybe they did do some kind of ceremony, and I missed it. But with the bases loaded, your guy Bauer just slipped off the mound mid-pitch. He was pitching from the stretch. He started. So, that, so that's a balk, I assume. Yes. Yeah. He didn't start his windup because there was no windup, but he started to throw from the stretch, stretch position and just slipped and had to stop. Then somebody had a sacrifice fly. That scored the second run, and that was it. Looks like Molly's trying to get thrown out of the game. Um, Castro. Oh, he probably held up strike the three. It was a, a check swing. Not Molly's toss. Molly. Is Molly tossed now, too? Well, That's about as angry. Up. Molly's a little bit like the late, great Flip Saunders used to be. Hey. No matter how hard he tried to get livid and get a technical, a lot of times he couldn't get it because it's just not. 
Not in him. It's not in his DNA. It's not in Molly's DNA either, I don't think. Not really. Not really. No. You know, you really got to force it, although uh, it appears that he got what he wanted. But he. I don't feel like the Mollies or the flips of the world ever get their their money's worth, you know, because I just they, they just don't know how to melt down effectively. I used to kid flip about that all the time, and Molly's kind of the same way, right? He's you know, I want to see him. Back. I want to see him kick dirt. I want to see him turn the bill of his cap around, like the, you know, in the old thing, and then and then just start bobbing his head and just start the spittle then comes out of the mouth. And you say, oh, I, don't, I wasn't trying to spit at you. I'm just so mad. I'm just, the spittle's just coming out. Isn't that the new age, though, with all of these guys? Yeah, you're right. All of these managers are super yeah. laid back. Yeah. They're looking at charts the whole time. There's no more, you know, sprinting out right. there and kicking dirt and throwing bases. It's very rare. It Correct. doesn't happen as much anymore. I think I said this right, didn't I? Obviously, Saturday in the Wild, the Wild Blue Series is here. That's, you, you did, did I, did I reverse did, it? Well, you just said it's back here. Yeah, back here uh, Saturday. Yes. for game five. That's not how you said it. Okay, I think you said, and then game six back here. You, you said something where if someone game was six. really listening intently, they would have. Picked yeah, obviously, up on it. game six will be in St. Louis on Monday. Yes, game seven would be back here on Wednesday. So if I had those reversed, that's obviously correct. that's the uh, that is indeed the case. Nobody misses anything. Speaking of hockey. Wes Walls is going to check in with us after a very short pause. Yes, that guy will get his hockey analysis on what took place in game number four and where it might lead for your Minnesota Wild. You're listening to Barrero. Barrero. This is The Fan. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. Yeah, it was one bounce, and we were happy to get it. Believe me, but uh, they did what they were they were asked to do in that play, and uh, uh, we we got a break. And uh, it was you know we hadn't had too many breaks in the first three games, so we'll take any break we could get. Bruce Boudreau, slightly less uptight after the game compared to what he apparently was. That morning, according to all uh, media reports, Wild live for another day. They win game number four, bringing the series back to Minnesota for game five Saturday right here on our flagship. I think it's a 2 o'clock start. Our next guest will know for sure. Wes Walls kind enough to give us a minute or two. 2 p.m. start for game number five on Saturday, sir. Is that correct? Yeah, NBC National Television. So what does that mean, uh, 2.35? That's a good point. It's a very good point. We're learning that the hard way. It seems to be worse and worse with almost uh, each and every passing game. Good to hear your voice again. Welcome back to the program. We were talking early about the reaction in St. Louis. Uh, we know that the Blues did not win Game 4, but the writers are writing it almost as if the Blues not only did not win the series, but that they lost the series on the basis of Game 4. Is the door now open, in your mind, that wide for your Minnesota Wild that the Blues will long uh, regret that they didn't finish them off last night? <laughs> well, I think that's kind of comical. Uh, so the, are they are they saying that the Blues, I guess, laid an egg in, in Game 4 like they did in Game 1? Um, I, I think not, having watched the game back uh, closer again here this morning. Um, this game was uh, was much more of an even game than I actually thought it was, um, and I'm sure Bruce and the coaching staff, after watching it back, probably felt the same way. Um, 
you know, obviously the Wild scoring first um, put the Blues on their heels a little bit and forced them to come out of their shell a little bit more than they otherwise would, and especially after Marty Hansel scored to make yeah. it 2 nothing. But I, I thought in the third period, um, David Dubnik had to make, I want to say, probably four or five great, uh, unbelievable uh, uh, saves, probably you know, from the last seven, eight minutes on to the end of the game uh, to keep that game 2 nothing. So uh, the Wild weren't quite as tight probably the last half of the game as they would have liked to have been. And uh, actually, as the game went on, I actually thought uh, um, the the, uh, the Blues probably outchanced the the, uh, the Wild um, in totality from the beginning to end, probably by plus two or plus three. Interesting. Uh, early, yep. early from my uh, casual hockey, I I thought they the Wild did come out. They came out the way I wanted them to come out for game three. Now, there's always the factor of what the other team is doing to maybe not allow you to do what you want to do. But I I did think. Uh, the, the 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 team came out in a very authoritative fashion, which was certainly important to do. And the Blues were, 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 were you know were not as good early as they had been in Game Three. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. There there was no dipping their uh, toe in the water. Uh, the Wild for Game uh, for Game Four, um, and actually Game Three, I didn't think they were skating that bad. Um, and I actually showed this in the pregame show. I want to say three or four of the first five times that we touched the puck in the neutral zone in the first period, this is the first five or six minutes of the game, we gave the puck to Allen. Every every time we dumped the puck in or had to place the puck in the zone, he got a stick on it. And every time he made a good play with the puck in the wild, we're really not able to get any forecheck at all in the first five or six minutes. And uh, um, the Blues could gain a lot of momentum from that. And uh, the wild really, I think they only had four shots about 15 minutes into the game. And that was really a big, big reason for it. And it was a different different story the first five or six minutes. Um, With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Wilds' puck placements on, on getting pucks behind their defensemen. Yep. They were chipping them slowly into the corner. Um, or they were getting them up on the glass and where Allen would have to stay in his net. And they were able to get some sustained pressure. And a lot of the scoring chances the Wild got um, in, the first, uh, in the first period were... Uh, a lot of them were because of the way the Minnesota Wild defensemen got involved on the, on the forecheck and were pinching down on the wall, and a lot of loose pucks um, popped out to forwards. Guys like Jason Zucker had a couple, two or three really good chances to score in the first five minutes. Um, so the Wild did a great job of getting their D much more activated, especially in the first period. And then, Dan, as the game went on, you could you could see, obviously, the Wild got their first goal um, on actually, ironically, a broken play from Allen moving the puck around the wall. But, um, at, you know, after the Wild scored the uh, the first goal, you could see they kind of pulled back just a little bit, which is which is normal and human nature for a lot of teams. They weren't quite, quite as assertive on their uh, um, on their on their D being as active on the pinch. But there's no question, I, you know, the formula that they used in the first in the first period kind of got them feeling good about themselves. Uh, took the play a lot to the St. Louis Blues, and I think a lot of it had to do with puck placement and where they were putting pucks. Um, especially the first 10 minutes of the first period uh, in Game 4. I got an interesting tweet from uh, his, his Twitter handle is a puckhead 84 and he, and he writes, St. Louis TV gets the bit. They endorsed the Jimmy John's delivery of the game with the Jake Allen pass, parentheses, assist <laughs> to Coyle. Um, what do you, I mean, what do you, was he too casual there or is that, 
the old, well, uh, I, that's what I have to do. i got to get it out of where it is, and I'm going to take my chances uh, based yeah. on what I've seen from the the uh, the lack of, uh, I guess you could say, uh, marksmanship on the part of the wild that I gotta, I'm going to take my chances that this isn't going to burn me the way it ended up burning him. Well, I mean, any time a goalie leaves the net as much as Jake does, uh, I mean, from time to time you're going to get burnt. And I know I heard uh, Bruce in his postgame presser talk about Charlie was doing what he was supposed to do. Um, when he goes back to, touch, to get the puck and he does get his hand on it, um, Jake Allen, and he's got pressure on him like he did from Eric Stahl, um, you have to seal that side of the ice. He'll, he'll never play the puck up the other side of the ice. He's not as strong um, to go up the other side of the ice. So anytime if you're a four coming into the zone, you might as well race over there to the half wall. Sure. Um, and he did exactly uh, probably what they had talked about um, when this, before the series started when you talk about tendencies. And, uh, and then, you know, the one thing that happened that had not been happening in the first three games, in my opinion, was the Wild got a bit of a break. Uh, actually went back and watched it a little closer I'm pretty sure that that shot would have missed the net um, of Charlie Coyle if it would not have hit Bertuzzo in, right in the crease mm. and went off the shin pad or went off the skate and went right into the middle of the net. So uh, a nice little break for the Wild. Um, like I mentioned earlier, just uh, it's and I'm not a big, uh, I'm a little bit of a, you got to create your own uh, magic a little bit, but there's, there's definitely uh, a lot of truth and a lot of validity to the fact that uh, you do need it to have a little bit of uh, forge, good fortune um, to have a, a, a good long playoff run for two months stint. And the Wild really, uh, up until up until last night, really did not have any puck luck, especially, Dan, considering the amount of pucks that they're throwing at the net right. um, over the first three games, uh, you know, 20%, 30% more than, than any other team in the NHL. And, I'm, I mean, I'm watching these other games around the National Hockey League like everyone else. Columbus is throwing pucks to the net. It's going off Sidney Crosby skate, going in nets. I'm, I'm watching the highlights. It seems like there's one or two every game. Um, so, you know, I'm sure the Wild aren't going to apologize for it, but uh, obviously with a uh, being down 0-3, there's not a whole lot of uh, margin for error at this it, point. It, it continues to be, hockey is a, among the professional sports, I think, the only one where there is, I don't know what the actual percentages are, but have to be a relatively high percentage amount of the time. It's going to be something wacky like that. Even if it is, you know, we're being busy and we're, we're getting the, the puck towards the net and therefore you make your own puck luck to a degree, there's still, I mean, I have to tell you, you played it forever. Uh, the, 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 the goofiness of it, the randomness of those kinds of plays, do you, do you ever get used to that as, a, as when you were a player? Are you accept it? Is it always maddening? Because I don't think there's any, there's luck in every sport. And there's lucky shots that are taken, obviously, in basketball and lucky hits in baseball. Certainly, but in hockey, it's it's remarkable how often that can end up being the difference between winning and losing. Well, I think uh, looking at it from a from a for, former player's perspective, uh, I think there is a lot of there is some luck uh, involved, especially in the playoffs. Just simply because the the top sixteen teams in the National Hockey League that make the playoffs, they they defend so well. I mean, you're not playing the bottom feeders uh, where you're going to get two on ones and three on twos, and you're going to you're going to have guys slamming in one tires on the back door and things like that when you play the lower team. So um, there are going to be times, and that's why in the playoffs, a lot of times, you know, coaches will talk about getting as many pucks and yeah. traffic to the front of the net as you possibly can to increase your chances to get a little bit more puck luck around the front of the net. And I always felt like as a player, there is a certain amount of that that's in play. There's no doubt about it. But my responsibility as a, as a player is I can't control if it's going to hit a shin pad and go right onto somebody else's tape, um, or if it's uh, if it's going to hit a stanchion and come right out in front of Patrick Kane and he's alone with a goaltender. 
um, in game six. I can't really control that. All I can control is uh, how hard I play and how desperate I play every night. And if it's one of those type of series where it, it plays out like this series has played out, um, I guess when I'm sitting on the bar stool two or three days after, I guess I, I, I learned to live with it. Uh, and, you know, we went through this in all three when we uh, come back down from three, one twice in a row. And, yep. you know, if I go back through those games, um, Dan, I, I'll, I'll bet you anything I could find uh, a, a game or two at any point in game six and game seven against Vancouver, Colorado, where we had, we had more puck luck than the other team. Wes Walls is our guest and the fan. Over the course of your career, either here or before, were you ever down 3-0 in a series? No, not once. Is it, is, you know, because I'm curious to know what you need to see to be convinced that now the while, now that the door has been opened a little and they're in the unusual position of they get game five back here. So then, you you know, your mind starts going to the, uh, we talked about this yesterday. You go, okay, you win here and now allegedly the heat's on them to avoid the possibility of having to wrap it up here in actually seven, and then they got a lot of heat on them in six. How big a difference is there, you think, in the pressure between being down 3-0 in a series and what you remind us of, uh, you know, 3-1? Well, I don't think it is. a. I mean, there's a little bit of difference, obviously. you got to win one last game, but the one thing that, that we always look for when I got in those situations, and I, we were down – we were actually up in 1994 when I played for the Calgary Flames. We were up uh, three games to one against the Vancouver Canucks, and Kyle Burry scored in Game Seven, and they went on to to uh, lose to the Rangers in the finals. I don't know if you remember that many, many uh, mm. years ago. But uh, so I've been on both sides of this. The one thing I always look for is this, and and, and the one, the many times that stick out to me pretty much is 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 this. You got to look at the star players. Okay, and I watched Vladimir Tarasenko, one of their star players. There was about three or four minutes left in the third period, and one of his teammates, he was wide open on, kind of on the back door, and one of his teammates didn't see him. Uh, I can't remember if it was maybe uh, Schwartz or whatever, but he didn't see him on the back door, and Schwartz made another play. He cut, I, I saw him kind of not roll his eyes, but he rolled his head a little bit and then kind of floated around for another 20 seconds or whatever. So I watched for all kinds of body language. And I know when we played the Vancouver Canucks, I, there were many times that we were on the bench. We'd hear Bertuzzi come by our, his own bench yelling at his teammates and stuff like that. We would just chuckle under it. We would never let the opponent knew that we knew what was going on, but we would talk subtly, guys, let's just keep doing what we're doing. And Pierre Forsberg was no different in Colorado when things weren't going their way. So the one thing that I, that I always look for is how are the star players reacting? And that's why I think it's going to be very, very important. And the Minnesota Wild have done an amazing job so far against Tarasenko. Um, he's, their, he's their slinger. He's their guy that makes them go. Um, and don't think that you're going to be able to hold him down forever. I'm telling you right now, because as that game went on in Game 3, Dan, he looked like he was getting much more and more dangerous as that game was going on. Um, so I'm sure as the series goes on and if the Wild are able to pull out a win in Game 5, um, he's going to become more and more dangerous. So the Wild cannot let their guard down on this guy. And uh, I would watch his body language very closely. What, from your perspective, is the key to a, at least containing a player of his talent or in terms of what the the Wild's approach has been or needs to be when we get to Game 5? Well, I always, find, I always found playing against skilled players that um, you have to be ready right when the puck drops at the very beginning because – uh, if if star players get off to a great start in a game, they see blood. It's just it's an amazing um, it's an amazing phenomenon. I guess I was- step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With- 
with family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I was a skilled player back in junior hockey, so I kind of understand <laughs> it. It was a long, uh, many moons ago. I do uh, recognize it, and I was like that when I played when I was a scorer, too, so I understand that mindset. And we talked about it many times in our locker room um, because we played against a lot of the better players in the world, and we, we had to make sure that we were ready right away because if you're not ready to play right away against our players and they can smell blood, it's almost like they feel like, okay, tonight's the night. And really the wild, start, right from the beginning of the games, whether it's Miko Koivu or Ryan Suter or Marco Scandella, who the Wild had a lot against uh, St. Louis, and we're not chasing that matchup. I thought the Wild did a great job of allowing Marco to play a lot against Tarasenko because he was on his game, is not allowing him to get started in the first period. He's going to get his touches in, on the power play, and if he happens to make a great play on the power play, you got to tip your hat because this is what the best players in the world do. But five on five, um, is where you earn your earn your stripes and, and making sure that you shut those guys down. So I always found that at the beginning of the game, the first period was always a very very important um, um, you know thing to look at going into into a game against a star player. Is it fair to say, on the basis of what took place in Game Four, that Coyle has kind of become the guy, or do you think that's likely to change from game to game if indeed the strength of the Wild is supposed to be their balance? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, this is. Uh, this is the Charlie Coyle that that we've seen from time to time, um, even in the in the regular season. We've seen him go through stints where, um, you know, he's 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 scoring and, he, and he's being a difference maker. Um, but what's separating Char- Charlie Coyle right now is that's different from when he's played before. Is he's playing with much much more edge than he has than he plays at in the regular season, and this is what. If he ever understands this and is able to wrap his head around this long term, if he ever, if he ever, and he doesn't have to fight anybody, he doesn't have to drop his gloves once during the course of the season. And and I think some guys, when they're six four, six five, they think they have to fight. I don't believe that's the case anymore. If, if he would just play with with this type of intensity and trying to put guys through the glass, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember in game two, it was actually I think the game you and Darcy were at up the press box. He, he pounded a guy behind the net in the second period. I swear he almost put him into the uh, third row. That's how hard he hit the guy. And I actually thought, sat there and thought to myself, I don't remember Charlie trying to pound a guy and actually not hurt him, but mm-hmm. actually try to really crush this guy. And, uh, you know, yes, he'll rub guys out from time to time. He's just such a beautiful guy. I've had a chance to meet him at a couple of road tours. Um, but uh, love for him as his career goes on. Uh, to be able to have that switch where he can actually flip the switch uh, in the regular season and playoffs because if he ever gets it and gets more consistent in that, he's going to get more room on the ice. Guys are going to be a little nervous to be a little bit around him. And uh, for me, from game one to game four, um, he's been the Minnesota Wilds' most yep. consistent forward for me. That's not even close. Yeah, it's uh, no question about that. Uh, last yeah. question for you. Um, wh- how do you expect – the Blues to come out for Game 5? I guess it's the, the, the toss-up question that, you know, a lot of people say, well, no, teams kind of are what they are at this point. There's really not that much they can change about themselves or themselves individually. Do you agree with that, or do you expect something a little bit different from St. Louis uh, in Game 5 here at, uh, at uh, in St. Paul? 
No, I, I think uh, I don't think we should really care about how St. Louis comes out in this game. I mean, we made a statement in Game Four. We, we, for me, we set the bar on how we should approach every game. And um, the one thing I will say, um, going into game, going into this uh, this next game, that is in the Blues' favor is uh, I, I just I think the uh, the um, um, who's the Russian kid, the younger kid, Barbashev, uh, the, the young forty nine kid. I think that right. experiment. Yeah, I, I think that experiment's over. Um, I, you could see in Game Four as the game went on, um, halfway through the game, you start to see Steen and uh, Tarasenko mm. uh, Schwartz a lot more with uh, with uh, Tarasenko, and they were starting to win a lot more faceoffs. Uh, the young kid is getting crushed in the faceoff circle when Tarasenko's on the ice, and they're not starting with the puck. So I think Mike has recognized that. So, um, and who knows, Paul Stastny might be back in the lineup. He's a 55% guy too. So you're going to have guys that are good in the faceoff circle, and that's going to make Vladimir Tarasenko much more dangerous. Um, in game five, Dan, and even on in, as the series goes on, because I think the uh, the experiment with the young kid is probably over for the series. What's your schedule on uh, Saturday for FSN? Saturday, uh, we uh, we have a pre and post game show. Uh, one, it sounds like we're going to go all the way to from one o'clock to about two twenty. We have to be off the air apparently okay. uh, before NBC drops the puck. So um, we'll have an extended uh, pre game show, at about an hour and twenty minutes long on Saturday. Um, so tune in. So listen, it's going to be great stuff. We appreciate the help. Great stuff as always. We'll be in touch. Anytime, Dan. Take care. Good to see you at the game the other day as well. Wes Wall's kind enough to join us. And uh, we haven't used Wes very much at all during this playoff run. We have before, and I'm reminded why we probably should again, because we got our guys. Obviously, Louis is always going to be at the top of our list. Russo Radio speaks for itself and himself as well. But it's it's kind of good to get somebody else's point of view on this who's got a good knowledge a good working knowledge of both teams certainly uh, the wild and can analyze as well we are going to talk some pro football during the four o'clock hour believe it or not because the draft is right around the corner we'll continue to monitor the very latest leaks that come uh, regarding the viking schedule um, maybe there's a couple more guards you can tell me as well a quick pro- uh, pause uh, first however we're taking a short break. Barrero's back in minutes on the fan. Don't go sending me those three times and roses. Don't you know that just one rose will do? Don't go trying to put diamonds on my fingers. Don't you know that I'm making money too? What can I tell you? Twins blow a 2-0 lead, give up six unanswered runs, get swept out of out of their home ballpark by the Cleveland Indians this afternoon, 6-2. to two. We, uh, I think we're below 500 now, aren't we? And we'll probably never see 500 again well, what the rest do you mean? of the season. We've got the Tigers coming in. Are they unbelievable? Buxton 0 for 2 today, struck out once. So, uh, let's see if I have the totals right. today. What's the day today? Today is April 20th. Yeah, April 20th. So, 0 for 2 today. 
one strikeout. That gives him um, 23 strikeouts in 47 um, at-bats this year. So did he walk a couple of times today? I'm confused here because, and I'm again wondering if ESPN has just got incomplete information because it's got them him with two official at-bats, but it doesn't list him as having any walks. I'm going to so go did, to MLB.com. Did he get, did he get pulled? I got pulled later in the game or pinch hitter? or Yeah, go to MLB because maybe these numbers aren't even updated. The ESPN's been been maybe it's not even Byron Buxton. I, I'm wondering if it even is Byron Buxton. They got him at at his um, his batting average at 0.85. I actually thought that sounded high. It is high. His batting average is 0.82. Well, what the hell's going on here with with uh, with ESPN.com? He was 0 for two today with one strikeout. He was pinch hit for. Oh, okay. So that uh, by right. Escobar. Okay. Escobar, Eduardo Escobar pinched. So how for. many uh how did the, how many strikeouts do they have? Uh how many times has he been struck out according to them for the season? Um well I'll have to click on his profile here. Yeah. See what the profile says. I'm trying to see if it matches up because I, I could have sworn it was the same number yesterday. I don't know. Because they this, have him with twenty three strikeouts. Okay. Well, I guess that that matches up. Forty seven official. Yep. At bats. Um, bullpen terrible today. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'd like to believe Molly would have gone longer with Santana, but because um, he only he only had given up one run. 113 but pitches. But he had 113 pitches through six innings. And uh, so it's, it's going uh, very much pear-shaped for your Minnesota Twins. I think now that's seven out of our last nine that we have lost. Uh, I guess uh, you're looking for a silver lining? Joe Maurer. First extra base hit of the season. Joe Maurer. I don't know where it was hit, but... Um, it was a double. In any case, yeah. Um, email or Bob, we didn't get swept. A game got postponed. <laughs> okay. Put that on a print. Honest to God. I Take that for data, Dan. <laughs> How many games were played between these two teams in this series? They played three. And how many of those games did the Twins win? They won zero. How many did they lose? <clears throat> they lost three. Out of three that were played? Yeah. So this series becomes a shortened series for this week. And in the shortened series, with the makeup we know down the road, they got swept! This isn't that difficult. Do you think that on June 17th for the I'm 7 o'clock game? God, we just, I, honestly, there's some idiots out there. I, I, <laughs> for a while, I went through a phase where I was going to try to be kind to them. It's like, no, just, yeah. just don't, don't offer up idiotic stuff. It's just stupid. Well, don't let that bug or, you. Or distinctions without, no, yeah. then it's no fun to do the no, show. No, no, not you. I'm talking about them. Well, yeah, like, there's that Don't let that too. stuff yeah. bug you. Like, yeah. even the, the nonsense honestly. about where the games are. So we all know it's 5, God. 6, 7, wild, St. Louis, wild. Bizarre. So do you think June 17th, I think that's the day, but somebody can correct us because I'm sure they've got it marked in their by calendar. Then it, believe me, by then it won't matter. What? Well, but will Cleveland fans that day bring brooms to the park? <laughs> Even like because it's, what if the Twins win the first game at one, right? But then the night game, yeah, technically is not part of that series. Correct. So it's a good, say, that's why it's it so a, stupid it to pretend. Right, sweep, a retroactive like sweep. We're bringing the brooms, and but the Twins are going to be thinking, "Well, we just won the game." Well, yeah. no, but this is a continuation from that's April. So that's right. We're, we're going for the sweep. So you could use the brooms after the first game. And then you got to put them away because the second game has no impact on that. No, vice versa. Oh, vice versa because the second game is the one. It's a scheduled, scheduled day, day game, game for the next series. The yeah. replacement game, the makeup game, is a night game. I think is how I remember uh, it being described. 
So the you know Cleveland could lose the day game, but still be going for this series sweep from April that night. It already shows you the level of desperation if you're a Twins fan. They didn't get swept. That's what that's what postponed. we're that's what we're left with. <laughs> Put it on a T-shirt. We didn't lose four games. We only lost three. Uh, you can't make that up, can you? I don't think you can. Uh, Larry Mondello guy passes along an interesting piece. See if I can find it. There's a letter, actually, or an email that he sent to me. Now I can't find it. I'm guessing he's got it in his sent folder. Portillo's. And he's listening, so he could probably Here it is. Here it, it. Is. Here it is. This was from uh, this was sent yesterday. Wasn't yesterday Wednesday? Yes. I witnessed, I witnessed something new for me last week. While on vacation in Florida, I saw a new level of cycling advocacy. On Gulf Boulevard in Bel Air Shores, Florida. Wow. They have speed bumps in the bike lanes and not in the vehicle lanes. For some reason, I wasn't smart enough to stop and take a picture, but I thought you might enjoy. My guess is that it is an attempt to keep the cyclists who think they are Greg LeMond off that section of road. Further south in the same road, I witnessed hordes of cyclists out in large packs clogging up traffic despite there being designated bike lanes. But in that section of the road, it narrows down to two lanes of traffic, and they want the bike lanes to be used by casual cyclists. Mark one up for reasonability and saneness. Can you imagine if they tried instituting those in Minneapolis? What a creative, bountiful, pleasurable idea. And it's it, I, my dream is now that somewhere in the Twin Cities, a speed bump or two or three or four or five or six is put in, if for no other reason than to get the cycling community going. Because I can't imagine how just dramatic the hyperventilation would be within the cycling community, don't you think? It would be dramatic. Oh, it would yes. be delicious, would it not? It would be very it dramatic, yes. Oh! Now does, um, but here's my question. Yeah. I mean, he said, he calls it early a new level of cycling advocacy. See, it doesn't strike me as cycling advocacy. It strikes me as actually Working something that would them. bug the, the, the cycling advocates. Yeah. That, that it wouldn't be viewed as a, the next progressive step. What town was this? This was in Bel Air Shores. He spells it B-E-L-L-A-I-R-E, Shores, Florida. Well, let's see if there's been any stories written about this, and we'll see which way it's fallen, right? Mm. We'll, we'll try to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I'd like to know. Bicycle, Bella Shores, Florida, bicycle speed bumps. By the way, for the record, I'm told by emailer Ryan about regarding Maurer's double that on the radio broadcast, Dan Gladden made a point of saying that Cleveland didn't play their outfield like every other team had against Maurer, or that double would have been an out. <laughs> well, who's that vindication for? Joe? Dick Bremer. Dick Bremer, yeah. It's vindication for Dick Bremer. About how Maurer's been victimized. Victimized more than any other player, any other player in the history of baseball with the shift at in advanced analytics. At which point Bert says, now Dick, now Dick. He's got to adjust. Yeah, got to adjust. Well, it's vindication for Bremer. And what is, what's your guy Tito doing for Cleveland? Not working on that shift. Didn't do, much, do us much good anyway, apparently. I think he scored a run off that double, but... Uh... 
one of only two runs that we were able to get uh, get through. We had some offensive issues yet again. Did you find the? Uh, for all I know, maybe we've got some in this town already. We certainly have uh, speed bumps for regular traffic. Do we not? Many many locations. A lot, yeah. And they're frankly needed in uh, many locations. But um, in fairness. In high high traffic, high volume areas where there are too many Greg Lamonts who think they're Greg Lamont, seemed to me it would make all the sense in the world. Would it not create a more a, a, a safer environment for all cyclists? A slower environment, which is good. I'd like to think it is. Slow yeah. and steady wins the race. I haven't seen any stories on it. There there have been some regular speed bump stories, but nothing specifically for the I, bicycle. I guess lanes. it's possible he was trying to get me going. He didn't, I'm surprised I don't think he didn't so. snap a photo. Yeah, he admit he 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 regrets that. Well, he can always go back. He says he regrets that. I've never even heard of Bel Air Shores, Florida. It sounds hoity-toity. I think it's near Disney. Is it near Disney? Yeah, very very close to Disney. <laughs> is it really very close to Disney, or is know. that just a bit? I don't know. It's close to Universal. You're just making it up as yeah, you go along. It's very near Disney. Uh, booth at KFN.com, by the way, if... Um, you're aware of any speed cycling speed bumps. I mean, maybe in the cycling community, if we find out that Oregon's got a bunch, that we, we would, would say it. it is the more progressive gesture and that actually it's us, we have to keep up with the Joneses. But my gut tells me it would there would be bitter reaction to to anything that might slow down cyclists already. I mean, they, there's enough anger that they, they're supposed to stop at stop signs. And have the speed limit signs. They are yeah, supposed, yeah, in right. some areas, they're supposed to keep it to whatever the miles per right. hour is, and some people get mad about that. So it's never good enough for any of them. Michael writes, I think the data will show that the twins weren't swept. They were swiffered. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> might well be the case. Um... Oh, look at this. Look at this. Now now the gauntlet's been laid down. I've got a link to a story out of Greater Portland. County installs speed bumps to slow down bicycle riders on Hawthorne Bridge Viaduct. What the hell's going on out here? So this is trending. Among the progressives, unless they're bitter about it. Let's see if it says in this story. Uh, it, says, it, it reads here, this bike lane is slightly downhill and the speeds are relatively high. Five bumps placed about two feet apart. They're made up of thermoplastic strips about an eighth of an inch thick. That might not seem very high, but on a bicycle, the bumps can definitely be felt. Uh, bumps were installed to alert bicyclists that they're entering a shared space with pedestrians. Oh, they what could possibly go wrong? Um, so there it makes all the sense in the world. Let me see if there's some bitterness, though. Peter W. I commute. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you these guys. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm I, trying to get you going. I commute on my trusty aluminum frame road bike and feel every last bump on the new rumble strip, so count me in as someone who swerves to avoid them, of course. First of all, we're happy for you and your trusty aluminum fr- frame road bike. Swerves to avoid them. I think if they weren't quite as bad, I might slow down instead. I asked a friend, and she tells that me she hates them, and she added an unusual expletive to quantify the extent of her hatred. I would say that's a no vote, a whiny no vote. I see quite a few people swerving around them, which puts them dangerously close to cars in many cases, so that's good. I don't think it's an effective treatment, writes Tony J, for trying to improve cycling behavior. In my opinion, it's kind of dangerous. I think there should be a stop here when bus presence sign and line and some periodic enforcement. Good luck with that. So that's the question. Looks like it's not being well received, as I, I expected from the cycling community, but it's being done by the other most progressive cycling community in America. So does that obligate us we to, gotta take a look at to it. Take at least take a look at it? you got to take a look at it, for sure. It's trending, is what they say. Uh, let's get a short pause in. Let's talk pro football, believe it or not. Draft is a week away. Uh, I don't know if the Vikings are going to find their way back in the first round, but they are in round two. And uh, we'll chat with Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus, a guy who knows this draft inside and out like very few others, perhaps Marty Wexler III, who will join us next week. But it's Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus next. Time now for your chance to win a grand. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the word WIN to 200-200. You'll receive a confirmation text. Confirmed standard message and data rate supply. That's WIN to 200-200. Bumper to bumper with Barrero. On the fan. The fan brought to you in part this afternoon by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Late addition added to the program. We have located uh, Michael Russo. Russo Radio is scheduled for 5.55. So we start the show early, uh, first hour, with Wes Walls on the Wilds' victory. And uh, we'll finish the program strong with Russo Radio 5.55. NFL Draft is right around the corner. The fan has uh, indeed learned, and even though the Vikings do not have a number one pick, they do have some picks, and there is interest. There's always interest in the draft. And we're pleased to be joined by Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. And I believe uh, he has the prestigious title, if I'm not mistaken, as lead draft analyst for PFF. Is that correct, sir? Yeah, I think that's what they use. That works. It looks good on the card, I would think. I mean, I, it sounds good. I, I was impressed with it. And um, I'm reminded that uh, you, you've pointed out that, what was like 2011, um, when you joined Pro Football Focus, there were 15 employees, four full-time. Things have um, grown a little bit since then, have they not? Yeah, they absolutely have. It was uh, just an upstart type of company back at the time. And then, uh, you know, 2014, we were already on our way to growing, but Chris Collinsworth bought the company and accelerated that growth. And we added college to the mix, and now we're 
working with uh, almost every team in the NFL. We got 27. We'll probably be closer to 30 by the time the season starts. Another 20 or so college teams and, uh, you know, all the stuff that we do for fans as well. So uh, it's been a lot of fun watching it grow. So when when a coach, a la, I think it was, I don't know if he did this last year, if it was more the year before, uh, Mike Zimmer, you know, takes sort of a, a smart-alecky, snarky shot of, uh, you know, dis- despite what pro football focus says about our left tackle, we think such and such is happening. I assume you guys love that because um, all it is is more more – more pub for you, and that in a way you've kind of gotten in their heads a little bit. I assume that's all good from your perspective. Yeah, it generally is. And, and look, if I was in the if I was in Mike's shoes, or if I was a head coach in the sure. NFL, I would do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you have to protect your players, and there is that point of. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily worry about what other people are saying anyway. Sure. So, I, I think their responses are extremely natural. I, I think the. The best part about it is, you know, we had a former NFL head coach in the office yesterday. We sat down with him for about five or six hours, went through the whole process, went through everything. And this head coach had had his own snarkiness through the years <laughs> as well. And I think by the end, you respect the process. You understand yeah. where we're coming from. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more to it than we just throw a grade out there and uh, criticize your players. Yeah. And well, you know, part of it is you're, you're kind of victimized by something beyond your control where other media members – they grab onto the the maybe uh, you know the piece of information that suggests somebody's not playing very well uh, week by week, and so that's who they cite. They cite right. you, and you're not necessarily perhaps even asking to be cited, and you kind of get caught in the middle of it because a lot of media media members now I think have gone down that road. Um, let me ask you a toss up question before we get into some players in the Viking situation a little bit. The cliche for many, many decades as a former Inkstain wretch newspaper guy myself, of course, is that teams, many teams will say we are about taking the best athlete available. And over the years, I've I've been around some GMs who I think mean it, and then I think there's some who really don't, and they say it. Is there in any in this day and age in the NFL draft a rule of thumb based on the people you talk to regarding that cliche, whether it actually means anything anymore or people adhere to it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a there's a combination of best player in need. You know, I think we always talk in those black and white terms, but you know, when a draft board's being put together, would the Vikings this year in particular just bump up a tackle just a little right. bit or bump up a guard just a little bit? Maybe, but I think ultimately the teams that do stay true to their board, so to speak, and say, you know, I'm going to draft the best players in general. I think the bigger issue is going into the draft and saying, I need this position and I'm just going to get it. That's where I think teams get into trouble when they say first round, we're getting a corner and second round, we're getting a guard. And I think when you do that, you start to uh, draft positions instead of players. My motto is draft players, not positions. And all of that stuff will kind of fall into place. And I think needs uh, from a fan's point of view is, is like, what was the last thing I saw, especially week 17, sure. whatever I saw the last time I saw these, this team, that's what we need. And I think teams are smarter than that. And they say, look, a team need might be, we have one year left on this defensive tackle. So that's a need because a year from now, you know, he's going to be a free agent. So I think it's a combination of all those things. And it's not that cut clear cut and black and white. Well, you well know that the need here is for offensive linemen, even if the team did go out and has, you know, has spent some money in, uh, in free agency. Um, I, I the feeling I've gotten is this is not a great year if you're looking for offensive linemen and you're not going to just try to force it um, maybe recklessly. What what's your what's your view? You know the Vikings at this point don't have a first round choice as well. 
can they get rich at all in sort of trying to rebuild on the fly very quickly an offensive line that's just been a mess? No, I don't think this is a good draft to do it. And without the first-round pick, I mean, that's why you saw Riley Reef, Mike Remmers. I mean, that's why those moves have been made. And, and I think this is one of those drafts where maybe you sneak a guy in the middle rounds, but, uh, you know, it's especially the tackle position is not good. We only have one guy that we think is a pure first-rounder. There will probably be two or three guys that will go at tackle, but there are some question marks there. And then even at guard, one or two guys in that first, second-round mix and uh, you know, where in previous years you say, okay, there might be four or five guards that we could take second, third round. So there might be a guy here and there, some kind of gem, but I think there was a reason why uh, the Vikings had to make some moves and, and get some guys from outside from, from, from other teams. From your perspective, what do you make of those moves? Do you think they were good moves or just moves out of desperation? I mean, there's there's conflicting opinion on the degree to which the Vikings already have upgraded their situation along the line. I think they were solid. I mean, I, taking the this commitment financially and all that, but I think when you you have to look at where you're coming from, and we say the same thing about Seattle. Seattle went from this terrible line. Minnesota has this terrible line. If you upgrade spots to average, that is a massive leap, and that is a huge step. And you know, Riley Reef has been up and down throughout his career. Mike Remmers has shown flashes, but you know, still has some questions in pass protection, but. I still think you've upgraded. You know, you've 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 taken steps forward. Where T.J. Clemmings really struggled last year, everybody really struggled. Matt Khalil's uh, had a rough few seasons. You know, see him mo- moving on now. So right. I think the big thing is, do you see yourself getting better? And I, and I do see that at least in the short term. The uh, the Vikings obviously, uh, I think, still feel even with the free agent moves uh, uh, that they they want to get a young running back as well. Um, a lot of people view this as a very good running back class how do you evaluate it and how early is it worth expending in other words if the second round pick is it worth using a number two on a running back in this draft if you're the vikings i'd say in the Vikings situation the fact that you don't have a first maybe using your top pick on a running back is a little bit risky but uh, but there's depth in the class and there are some good guys to be had in the second round i think you're looking at uh joe mixon possibly there that's you know some off-field concerns there right. but you know, I think he lands in the second round ultimately. Uh, Alvin Kamara from Tennessee, a very good run-pass option. That guy can uh, make a lot of plays and a uh, powerful back who can make guys miss. I think he's a second-round type of value. And then Kareem Hunt, definitely a personal favorite from Toledo who just has unbelievable balance and uh, did a heck of a job in the MAC. Did, did a great job at the Senior Bowl against better competition. So if you're looking at second-round running backs, there are, there are talented players to be had. But it's also a position that goes pretty deep. You you could probably get a third, fourth, or fifth round guy, guy like Jamal Williams out of BYU, maybe Samaj P. Ryan out of Oklahoma, James Conner, Pittsburgh. So there's a there's a lot of running backs in this class. It might be better to wait at that position given the Viking situation. The uh, is McCaffrey going to go? I assume first round. Where in round one? And from from your perspective and your view. It's funny because we went from being higher on him to having him probably in the 20s to now all of a sudden people are talking top 10. Yeah, I don't think it's that crazy. If you use him right, if you use him correctly, I mean, he's if he was ranked as a wide receiver, I'd probably have him as a second-round wide receiver. But he's a running back, and he's a really good running back and uh, can play any type of scheme. He's got great patience, great cutting ability, and then those wide receiver skills show up, whether he's running out of the backfield or playing in the slot. So. You know, I have no problem using a, a top end of the first round type of pick on him if the team's really going to tap into that skill set. And it 
sounds like with all the buzz, you know, he's going to go maybe top 10, top 15. Well, yeah, it's interesting because obviously the Vikings won't have a shot at him uh, if they stay where they are. And and I think most people here are itching for the idea finally of getting a running back who can do lots of – who kind of fits the way the game has evolved. You know, Peterson obviously was was more of a throwback running back. Now, Murray's got – I guess has some pass-catching skills, but – you're talking about down down the road. That's been the big frustration with Adrian is they couldn't even keep him on the field on third down, obviously, because he didn't handle the blitz very well and um, not a very good pass catcher. Seems as if several of these running backs are are pretty versatile as well, and maybe not as versatile as McCaffrey, but they can do both. Is that fair to say? Oh, very fair. If you if you take our, our top six right now, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, and Kareem Hunt, and actually throw in number seven, Curtis Samuel, who's essentially a hybrid wide receiver. Six out of those seven, we feel we feel really good about them in the past game. I'd say Leonard Fournette has Adrian Peterson type qualities, where mm-hmm. I think he looks more comfortable on first and second down. That you know, special combination of speed and power. But I don't know if he's going to be that uh, that guy that you trust on third down, either picking up the blitz or catching out of the backfield. But six out of our seven top running backs are all excellent catching the ball. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, with us on the fan. Who is your number one ranked QB? So we go Mitchell Trubisky, and uh, I keep bringing the caveat that I wouldn't be surprised if any of the top four quarterbacks have the best career down the road. That's whether it's Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, or Deshaun Kaiser. I think it's going to really be dictated by situation and fit and scheme and uh, you know, there's a lot of factors there for the quarterbacks. I just think Trubisky fits more teams. I, I just feel more comfortable about him stepping into a few more systems than, say, a Mahomes or a Watson. So we got Trubisky at number one, and I don't know if they're going to be stars coming out of this class, but it's a very talented group, and they all have question marks. And uh, But I still think you can get a pretty good quarterback out of it. I guess that's the that's the trap as well. I mean, we, we talk about this. You have a need a specific position you can lie to yourself a little bit, and then you end up really regretting it for years, uh, more so at that quarterback position than any other, right? I mean, that's that's where, and it's such an important position that uh, I understand when people say we gotta we we gotta be- we want to believe that this could be the guy who could become our franchise player, but then that's the question: Do too many teams end up lying to themselves because they want to believe it because they feel like they need to believe it? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you have to you have to factor in the human element part of this. So I look at each situation individually. If you look at San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan just showed up and John Lynch just showed up and they signed what was six-year contracts. That's like a lifetime in the NFL. Sure. So they don't need to force the issue and talk themselves into a quarterback. Now, maybe the Bears situation is different. The Jets situa- situation is different. The Bills, they have a new regime, so maybe they don't have to push it and they still have Tyrod Taylor. So every situation is a little different, but I think – if you have a perfect world and you're like Bill Belichick, you have a lifetime pass, you have a lifetime contract, then you could start saying, you know what, I'm just going to keep drafting the best players, and when I find a good quarterback and have the chance to take them, I'll go get them. But not every team has afforded that luxury, and I think that's why you see a lot of teams really reaching for quarterbacks. Give me a couple of names, uh, I guess maybe almost regardless of position, that on a, on a draft board where you really are trying to rank everybody against anybody else and you are trying to go more best athlete available, maybe you fudge a little bit if, 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 there, if there's a couple of them that are pretty close and you need need as well, they would fit where the Vikings are picking if they don't make any move, moves and that you think they should be considering. Yeah, so I already mentioned Alvin Kamara of yeah. Tennessee. I think that would fit extremely well. I think Justin Evans is a, a safety out of Texas A&M 
who would just be an awesome complement to what Harrison Smith brings to the table. Uh, so I think Evans is a really intriguing talent, uh, very explosive, a guy that can uh, that could certainly do some damage. Uh, and our board, Tack McKinley out of UCLA, edge defender. Um, I think it's, you know, Minnesota's solid on the edge, but, you know, Brian Robeson getting a little bit older. You've got Danell Hunter. You have Everson Griffin, Dayton Jones coming in. But I still think that's one of those positions you truly can't have too many guys. I think he'd be an interesting fit there. Um, and then if they look to to cornerback, and again, same thing, you know, you have Mackenzie Alexander, you have Trey Waynes, and even teams that are loaded at corner. I just keep saying in this draft, with all of the cornerback talent, just take one, at least take mm-hmm. one guy. And you're talking about, you know, maybe a Cheeto Bay, a Wouzier from uh, Colorado who has excellent zone coverage skills. His teammate, Akella Witherspoon, about six foot two plus, unbelievable press coverage skills and athleticism. So uh, we're rolling about 15 deep on our draft board in the first two rounds just at cornerback. So no matter where you are in that position, I think it's a great draft to load up and you truly can't have too many edge rushers or corners. And I think uh, there'll be some talent to be had at both of those positions. Last question. There's been a lot of discussion and speculation that you, there there may be a number of teams trying to move down in this draft. The Bears come up uh, uh, from time to time in in that regard. Uh, do you th- you know? But every year it seems like there's predictions of lots of movement. Some years it happens, some doesn't. What's your sense? What's your gut tell you about how many trades? How many teams are going to be trying to move up or down in this draft? How much activity we may have high in the draft? Yeah, first off, I think it's a great draft to move down because it's so deep. And I think after you know, starting with pick two, you know, there's not a huge difference in talent level. And it's all about accumulating picks and getting a ton of players in there. So I love the move down idea. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of movement just because I think if you just look at draft analysts, everybody has a different quarterback atop their board. Yeah. Some people have Trubisky, Watson. Some people have Mahomes. Some people have Kaiser. And I think NFL teams, you have to multiply that by how much. NFL teams are 32 unique boards. A bunch of them need quarterbacks. They all have value these quarterbacks differently. I think you might see teams trying to just go get their quarterback, no matter when it is. Go get their guy. And if that's the case, there'll be plenty of willing partners ready to trade down because it is a deep draft, as I said. And um, I think we'll see more movement just because of the uncertainty at the quarterback position. Steve, we appreciate the time. Excellent stuff. And hopefully we will chat again. Thanks for helping us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. Yeah, that publication that we all used to mock and ridicule, that has become enormous, huge, and uh, definitely has found its place, even if occasionally it might annoy Mike Zimmer when he hears them cited as a source. A lot of teams are going with it. And it's it's ironic because how many times have we heard people mock and ridicule, including some teams, Marty Wexler third, and then what do we find out from Marty Wexler third? A number of those teams are consulting with him. Yeah. They may not be making a big production of it publicly, right? but behind the scenes, Which they're using PFF. exactly yep. his services. And so you, you, you come to find out that there's sort of this, this, these public pronouncements don't always match what's going on behind the scenes. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Wexler III will join us next week. Do we have a day set yet? Tentatively the Wednesday. The draft is Thursday, yeah, right? The draft is one Thursday. week from tonight. Right. The first round. 
Tentatively, Marty Wexler is going to join us on Wednesday. On Wednesday, that's the plan. That's the only reason, by the way, to watch the Combine, at least the only reason I've watched yes. it, is because the last couple of years, Marty kind of tipped us off on this, and he was accurate. Like, they weren't doing <laughs> get-up time 10 years ago at the Combine. That was one of no, Marty's deals yeah. that they all mocked and ridiculed. Then all of a sudden, you start watching the NFL Network. Guys are getting up. They're starting to run. And funny, there's Marty Wexler's get-up time, the NFL ridicules them for it and then they just flat out stole it well the the new term i heard today and for all i know it's been around for for 20 years and i just haven't paid attention because sometimes i i admit my stuff. eyes gloss over yeah. on some of this stuff is hand usage hand usage have you heard hand usage as a, as a, Not as in a, a football sense yes in no in a football sense in evaluating the relative abilities of football players, hand usage. I'm not even sure I understand it. Well, in what scenario, what position, yeah, what players? Yeah, I mean, I, if you're a defensive end, I guess you could see. Yeah, good hand or usage. Or offensive lineman, yep. I guess wide receiver. But is this like catch radius? Very is this much. the new catchphrase? I must. I've, I had not heard it necessarily hand in that context. usage, you say. Ferrero's back after these on the fan. say for the record that um, I I don't have anything against Red Lake County. I really don't. I, I, I'm sure it's a wonderful <laughs> place to live. I, I'm sure it's quality of life is underrated. I'm sure that it's beautiful in the winters and the summers and that I might learn a thing or two if I spend a day or two there. But honestly, do we need to have another one of these updates and stories every eight minutes about the Washington Post reporter? Who lives there now? Who ripped it online, got invited to go, and has been mesmerized ever since and moved there. How many times, how much validation does Red Lake County or Red Lake Falls need, for God's sake? Did you see there's another story on this? I did see the headline today, we, yeah. We've had one ever, once a month. Yeah. Either locally nationally or internationally. Does he still what like it? gives? Apparently, he, he, I'm beginning to wonder whether he's actually being held hostage <laughs> and that he really doesn't have a choice, and he's worried that something's going to happen to him or his family if he deigns to suggest that it's not this, this Shangri-La that it's been suddenly turned into. Well, you know where, you know where they Honestly, screwed up, Honestly, why though? do we keep going to this well? Well, I, here's why I would assume, and this is why I, I took a look at it very quickly. Yeah. Clicks. Yeah, it must be. It'll work for me. Well, did you click on it? Well, I pr clicked on it to print it, to so rip you clicked it. On so it. I did click so on it, yeah. So you gave him the click. However, because I'm looking, it is not right now one of the most read, and it's probably a miscalculation on their part because... It's Vikings Day here, right? So with no the doubt. schedule, so yeah. that's going to be right. one of them. Right. And a lot of local companies are in the news. Target's in the news. Buffalo Wild Wings is in the news. There's a Duck Duck Gray Duck versus Duck Duck Goose controversy that's very Minnesotan that's also in the news. Yeah. So I think they misjudged it and miscalculated by throwing this story out now because on any other day, I feel like this would be most read by a landslide, and it's not even in the top five. 
So how's he doing? Am I... Am I wrong? Haven't we... No, that's why I didn't click on it. I laughed at it when I saw the headline. Haven't we seen this? Is, yes. is there some major update in it? Maybe there is that I'm missing. Well, read the story. Let's find out. I mean, Let's honest to God, it, 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 you know, okay, it's Red Lake Falls, and it's it's underrated and misunderstood, and uh, it can't be that underrated and misunderstood. Let's pick another. Let's pick another spot. Give some other spot... That doesn't get much attention in Minnesota. I mean, give it a, a its moment because we're happy for Washington Post reporter moving to Red Lake Falls, but everybody else isn't moving there, right? I don't think is everybody. I mean, is there if they had a huge population upsurge? We've got about three years until the next census, so since, maybe we'll have to compare from twenty ten to twenty twenty. It's absolutely. Um, and I now I am beginning to wonder whether he really likes it there all that much. Or because he can't move now, right? The fact that he's moved well, there ha- hasn't he written a book, or isn't he want to write a book about it? He can never move back. If you're writing a book about this whole experience, then the the bit is you have to love you have to pretend to love it even more than you do, right? You can't write the book can't be you know. I I I I ripped unwittingly this county. I got invited. And it was kind of a cool bit. You know, I went, and it was kind of nice. It was kind of fun. And then I decided, okay, let's move there. But after I was here about three or four months, I said to myself, it's okay. I mean, people are nice, but it's not the greatest place on earth. You can't fashion a book out of that. The book has to be, you have found your Shangri-La. Right? I mean, it can't be any... At least the chapter you release before you sell it. (laughs) And once you sell it, it could be kind of a hatchet job. Bizarre. Where is uh, Red Lake Falls? Do we know? We, yeah, we went over it. Did we go this before? Over yeah, this we before? went over it. We tried to figure out exactly where it was. Um, it's up north somewhere, I think, as I uh, pull up the Northeast map. Northeast or right Northwest? Now. I'm going to pull it up right now to give All you right. the specifics. Um, right. Embark on their Minnesota adventure. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very... also very patronizing. It really is. The whole thing is so patronizing that we got, see what happens? We get we again. It's it's a validation story, and we're being patted on the head. That oh, it's just ah, oh, this wonderful little burg. It's just south of Thief River Falls. Okay, That's and fair. it's it's kind of in between Thief River Falls and Crookston, just yeah. west, or right. excuse me, just east of Grand Forks. So it's it's up there, pretty. It's up there in the deep north. Red Lake Falls is. Can't wait. Has he wintered there yet? I mean, is he just coming out of the first I think winter? he's been there for four years. Didn't this go back like four years? I'm exaggerating last a little bit, years. but it's been the last yeah. couple. Um, it's good hunting ground is what my sources are telling me. Draft Guy, I thought, gave us a nice primer because we haven't talked a lot. We're not a program that's that spends hour after hour on the NFL draft, although we understand that uh, there's great interest in it. Um, a lot of it is based on basically what people read and hear, but it's because of the National Football League. It, it's going to get a lot of run, and we'll have Wexler on next week. No question, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll ratchet it up to an extent. But he gave us a nice primer, I think, on um, what might be available in the second round and approaches and uh, philosophies and the running back situation, etc. It sounds like he thinks you got so many running backs that – you don't have to take, pick one of them in round two. You can Which wait. Which is what we've heard before. And we have heard that before. And I don't know where we are on Mixon. I meant to ask that as a follow-up, whether – because now some people have him back out of – for 
he started this draft out of round one. Then he started moving up again. And now I've heard, I think it was Gil Brandt I saw had an item saying, I don't even have him in my first round anymore. Now, I don't know if that's a trend or not, or if that's just him. But, uh, and I don't know, I, I, my theory on this for many years has been uh, people don't really move up or down. They don't. It's just you, the the people who have to keep writing stuff yeah. want you to believe that players are moving up and down to an extent because it gives them something. It's a departure point. It gives them some a different direction to go about a given player or a given set of players. That makes sense. So draft is next thir- day one's Thursday. Yeah. And it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so our first pick won't be until Friday, right? Because they're doing the first round only on Thursday, yeah. unless we get back into round one. I don't know how we're going to do that. Well, you know how our guy is. He, he's, I know. He gets he's, itchy. He's aroused by the first round. I know. And it's gotten him in trouble, it, I think. A couple times it has gotten him in trouble. And, yeah. And, you know, if, if this is a deep draft, as uh, Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, and others have suggested, then you would think it's a year where, well, if you're picking high, you want to move down, you want to maximize picks. But I assume that would be just as true in round two as it is, you know, round one if it's a really deep draft. So why mess with that? Don't don't pay a premium to move up nine spots. I agree. I don't think he's going to. Um, I, maybe even you even move down a little bit in the second round pick and you get some extra stuff. I don't know how far down you want to go that. It's interesting, though, how the offensive line, everybody's got us on offensive linemen in the second round. Or it, we all assume just pick as many linemen he as you want. He doesn't like the line. Nobody does. Guards, tackles. Yeah. Nobody thinks. I heard Lieber today with the project talking about the Indiana kids saying, if this is your second best guard, then we got problems. And he was even saying, I think there's a guard that might go in the first round yeah, as well. I hope we don't do something stupid. He was saying the same thing. He goes, I could make an argument that that guy's no good either. But the second guy, the let's second not best do guard, let's not do it. Let's, let's not do on. something stupid. Okay, no, which we've done the last handful. Wouldn't of be draft. the last time or the first time. Top five? I don't know. I'm depressed now, now you're because depressed, of the yeah. offensive line. Oh, you should feel good. The Wild are back in it. Twins lose. Wild win. We'll give you a Tiger Woods update and what we know because I know people are on the edge of their seat right now about the Minnesota Vikings schedule for the 2017 season. It's all coming together, and it could be the nightmare opening to the 2017 season. Back after these on the fan. Just in case you missed it, it's the top five sports talkers of the day. Now it's time for Dan Barrero's top five at five, fueled by Super America. Russo Radio is scheduled for 5:55 today. I'm assuming. He'll be back by then, if not already, from uh, St. Louis Mo, where he basically yeah, he's back. he he, he uh, was subletting a condo. He was there so long earlier Doesn't in sound this like series. He bought any uh, Budweiser tour stock? No, he's very bitter with that experience. Apparently, it seemed like it. What do we have? Well, let's start there with the goalie from last night. Actually, with the head coach talking about the goalie from last night, and it wasn't Jake Allen's show last night. It was Devin Dubnik's show last night. That was really, you know, I mean. Uh, I don't think he's had one of those since November and or early December. So uh, it's uh, it was good to see for him. I mean, he he works so hard, and everybody's willing to criticize him. But uh, I thought he was I thought he was real good tonight. Boudreaux's falling apart. Jeez, <laughs> I've not heard that one yet. Like yesterday, he was talking about Hansel because people were asking right. about him. He said, "Why are you talking about him? He's been good." Yeah. And Hansel scored. Everybody's against us. Hang all on, of let's a just hear this. This yeah. is on Hansel's goal. Let's see if he took some kind of cheap shot at the media about Hansel. Okay. It was huge. I mean, we knew uh, 
and I talked to Pierre in the break and I said the next goal, whoever gets the second goal is going to be huge. Either the crowd's going to get right into it or we're going to get a little more confident. So uh, it, was a, it was a great release and a great shot. All right. Well, yeah, he played yeah. it straight there. Had some restraint there. Yeah, he has gone into a little bit of that mode. But, look, um, for those who've turned it into a battle of goaltenders, their goaltender has been better than ours three times. Ours has been better than theirs once. And that's why I guess you could say we're still alive. And if you want to reduce an entire series to just goaltending, which I think is absurd, you can it's certainly been a big part of it, but he was very good. Uh, their goaltender was not at the same. Allen was not at the same level at which we've seen him. Um, we get a little bit of luck, and then we get a, a a good goal to actually sort of punctuate things and to take that second uh, take it that that two zero lead. And so here we are. Uh, we're uh, we got we live to see another day. Game we're number alive. five. And as I mentioned early in the show, if you're saying if you. Uh, reading the St. Louis newspapers, you'd think it was the series had, had basically turned on a dime and it was over. And, you know, there is something to try to put, you know, the old boot-on-your-throat routine for a sweep. But if they are, uh, the other hand, if you're they're reasonably evenly matched teams, then <laughs> odds are it's not going to be a sweep, right? Even if it's your chance to put your boot on their throat, so I, 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 it was an interesting, I thought, overreaction from the Blues. Now, uh, may, or I, I shouldn't say the players, from the media, but maybe we'll find out they know something. I, I have no idea. I get that if you win that game, you don't have to mess with anything else. You don't have to mess with the possibility that the door has been opened. But um, I don't think anybody viewed this series as a sweep going in. Either way, whether no. they're talking about the Wild. And if they were going to pick a sweep, I think it's more likely they would have said the Wild over the Blues, although the Blues, of course, have been, were one of the hottest teams in hockey down the stretch. They've been pretty good since Yo got the job, Coyle for was, sure. Coyle was brilliant. Had a, had the goal. We talked with uh, Walsey about that, and he's basically saying, this is the guy I, need to, I want to see. This is the guy who's playing with an edge that we don't always see in the regular season, is the way he put it. But he likes what he sees. I See, I like him. I just think, I don't think it's just the physicality. Although that's what uh, Walls pointed to, I, to me it's a combination of physicality, skill, and will that I've seen that I that I kind of like. He just looks like he's playing with a little bit a uh, little bit more swagger. Even though we know we've all done the jokes about squeezing the stick and the number of times that um, I wonder if he's almost out of sticks. Like, he how might quickly well, can you get sticks? And maybe that's the beauty of it. Maybe now he's you know. You know, he's got one that he likes, and he's sticking with it. Yeah, like, what if Boudreaux's like Charlie? No pun intended. This is the last stick we have. Yeah. Like, our equipment guy. That's it. He said. You're going to play with your hands after this. This is it. Yeah. I mean, we can't break any more sticks. And then he had to ease up on it, and that worked well yesterday. Speaking of hand usage. Game five at the XL Energy Center, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Beyond the Pond will go from 10 o'clock to 145. The longest beyond the pond ever. We think, yes. 10 o'clock to 145. From the X. From the X, three hours and 45 minutes. That's a heck of a long show. as you call it, the regular pregame with Kevin Fallness, which he got very upset about yesterday. Well, no, I didn't even mention him. That's true. I said regular pregame. 
And that was the you mistake. Didn't I, didn't, I didn't mention what you just did. It was Faulness's name. So anyway, Russo Radio joins about 50 minutes from now. Wes Walls joined we, uh, in the first hour. Yeah, I mean, the reversal was pretty startling. I mean, we, we played a terrific first period, I thought, and did set the tone. And... Um, and we even we, we we talked about it. I mean, some people ripped us, but the idea of getting the first goal and seeing how that might change things, well, we hadn't had a chance to see it. And we all said, well, let's see it. Doesn't guarantee victory, but maybe it changes things a bit. And it, it most assuredly did. St. Louis came out, um, I think, even uh, shakier than we did at the start of Game 3. And um, I, to that extent, I think that we were able to not only set the tone, we were able to get a little puck luck uh, after a bad play by uh, by Mr. Allen. There was a sweep last night in the Western Conference. Yeah. The Anaheim Ducks beat the Calgary Flames 3-1, to so they win that series four games to none. Washington Capitals outlasted the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-4. That series out east is tied at two. Blackhawks have to win the night to avoid being swept, correct? They do. Against Nashville. That is a 7 o'clock start. NBC Sports Network for that one. The Preds lead 3-0. The game is in Nashville. Well, you know, the thing that I think should be the other obvious incentive for your wild about trying to find a way to make history. It's the biggest reason, I'd say. Is how wide open the Western Conference looks. You know, that... Uh, now, maybe the Blackhawks are on the verge. Uh, they're going to start something tonight that do, then do what they do. Uh, but I'm not sure I'm buying it this time. I'm not sure if I, I sense the touch of the magical uh, with your Blackhawks. In which, and now, I'm not saying Nashville's, you know, an easy opponent necessarily. But you got to believe, with all the baggage associated with the Blackhawks, you may have wanted to hit it head on and, and face your fears. But it ain't a bad idea to not have to worry about facing your fears and 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 taking advantage of a Western Conference that, as Louis told us at the start of the playoffs, isn't as domineering. It's just not as royal as was once assumed. That there were four, you know, there are three or four teams from the West that could make a, a serious Stanley Cup run. It is more open, so here's your opportunity. Three game threes in the NBA tonight: the Cavs and Pacers from Indy, the Raptors and Bucks from Milwaukee, and from the FedEx Forum. The Take That for Data Bowl, Game 3 between the Memphis Grizzlies and San Antonio Everybody Spurs. Everybody watching the foul totals. Davey. Well, you know tonight Kawhi Leonard's going to get called for a foul in the first Probably, eight seconds. Yeah. It's just going to be one of those things. Everybody's going to go crazy and at the Pop forum. And then Pop go crazy. Pop, I think we'll just stand there with his arms yeah, crossed that the music and go, are we really going to do this? Yeah, I thought we yeah. were all adults here. You've got food in your mouth. <laughs> Uh, but that game is uh, at 8.30 Central, if West, anybody's interested in watching that. Uh, the uh, Oklahoma City lost last night in the second game of the series with Houston. And they did, 150. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Westbrook took 29 shots in the fourth quarter. Is that right? He had 51 points, 29 shots in the fourth quarter. And, and he missed getting, most of them. Yeah, he's getting killed. Yeah, well, and he's, I'm, I'm really torn on this one because as I understand it, he sat for like a minute to two minutes at the end of the third quarter, and they in lost that fifteen-point lead. In that time, yeah, I think they were outscored seventeen to two or yeah. something. And so, yeah. to that extent, he comes back in and decides, "Well, screw it, I'm just going to do it all myself." But that rarely works. Even if you have a right to be bitter, 
with what they put around you and the way they have, you know, allowed you to lose the control of the game that you had through most of it because he had the he had the most points anybody has ever gotten uh who's gotten a postseason uh, triple double. It was a historic night, but you got to you you have to find a way to include some other people every once in a while. You really do. Even in and and so I understand why he's getting killed even as I understand why he was frustrated by what took place when he was out of the lineup. Bizarre night. Yeah, very very, very strange much. evening for sure. Irvin Santana went six innings Speaking today. of bizarre. He allowed one run on four hits, struck out five, walked three. The strikeouts and the walks might be why through those six innings he threw 113 pitches. That's too many. And that's why he was removed Apparently from the, the game. Apparently the pitch framing wasn't good enough. We saw a couple of really good frames by Castro well, today. Too I late. Thought. Yeah, yeah well, too little, by too then late. it was the bullpen. The bullpen imploded, which was one of the few times this season. Tyler Duffy, is it Taylor Rogers? I think it's Matt Belisle. I know it's Craig Breslow and Ryan Presley. That's who else was there. Uh, the game got out of hand once Santana went out of there. Yeah, we were up two, two zip. Then it was he gave up one run. And then we ended up giving up three. Was it in the sixth or the seventh? It was in the seventh. And then they got a couple of they got some insurance runs late, and they they go they they basically run away with it. Six two is the final. Seven out of nine we've lost, and our offense has failed, has largely ceased to exist. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, Sano, who was off to that hot start, has kind of cooled a little bit, right? He struck out. Joe's twice been today. awful. I mean, I know he had a double today. Joe had his first extra base hit, but and Buxton is two eighteen on base four ninety five at this point. Yeah. Buxton struck out once, got pulled. Molly got, got thrown out. He oh, got yeah. bitter with the home plate umpire. And as I mentioned, it was a very disappointing ejection because Molly <laughs> didn't even get his money's worth at all. And he rarely does. I don't think he ever will. Yeah, I think if you're looking just, for Molly. Just to, him, yeah. yeah, if you're looking for Molitor to get like a big time yeah. Ron Garden hire ejection, I just don't feel like uh that is ever close circuit to Guardian. We hope he, if he's listing uh Mayo Clinic, we hope he's doing well. I believe I saw uh, an item that he you did is undergoing uh prostate surgery at Mayo a couple of days ago. We've been told by many people at Mayo that they at many of their locations the they don't pipe in, you know, music kind of music. They pipe in the fan. Yes. So if he's listening, uh Godspeed, good luck on on uh, what you are dealing with. Hope it's going well. The Detroit Tigers come to town tomorrow night. Justin Verlander on the mound tomorrow night. If anybody's looking to go to Target Field for a little Friday night baseball, he will oppose Hector Tickets Son, are available. There are tickets available. Yes, it's good that you mentioned that. There are I'm not getting the emails from people available. bitter that I didn't, you know, bitter that I just didn't get excited enough about the start of the season when we were playing bad teams and we got off to a, a one-week good start. Funny. They're not emailing me anymore. <laughs> Who knew? Anything else you want to gloat about? Um, I could find something if you want. Well, think about it for a second. Right. Vikings schedule day. Well, it's the NFL schedule day. Yeah, this is day. big. This is so big. Less, Dan, do you understand? Less than two hours from now, even though we know all Why the opponents... Can't- why can't we get the whole schedule? Oh, by the way, my sources say... We got I think the whole this- schedule. Oh, you do have it now? Well, I can't tell it. I'm well, like Derby. I know I, it. I, I have a fairly uh, impeccable source, and this may already be out on Twitter, actually, that, to, that suggests we are going to be playing back at Thanksgiving, back in Detroit, uh, yet again this season. Is that right? Yes. Ooh. Two years in a row. Is it only two? Yeah. Yeah, I know it was last year, but yeah, we're, last we're year. back in Detroit. Wow. I was hoping it might be another Thanksgiving game. Like you know, not three Detroit. Of them. Yeah, yes. not Detroit. Yeah. 
I but, agree. Uh, I'm hearing it's going to be Detroit again. Okay. We also believe that we're going to open the regular season and home season on Monday Night Football against the Saints. With Adrian Peterson. Who will feature Adrian Peterson at running back if uh, TV knows what's good for them. There's your angle. And that also probably means we have a one-hour tour. Because that game's got to start at 6 Central. Yeah. Given it's a doubleheader. Yeah. Two-hour pregame. Yep. So we go three to four on the Monday night opener. We are stealing that night. Why don't we just have Common go three to four? I believe me, we could probably get that done. Well, no, not necessarily that easily. He'd whine about that. Yeah. But it's football. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll negotiate. Yeah, we, we got, got time. time to figure it out. Uh, some other things. Some other things that are trickling out. They will play the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field on December twenty-third. They will play the Green Bay Packers here on October 15th, I believe, is the day. That has been uh, released by a couple of different people. We're finishing the season hosting the Bears again. Yes. In fact, I think our last two week games, who did we play the week before? The Packers. Yeah, they, the yeah, that's back-to-back. Yep. Yeah. Uh, your um, guy, Brad Biggs, who we had on a training camp a couple of years ago. Yes. He has, the, uh, he has a lot of the bag. He has all the Bears' schedule. Uh, the Bears host the Vikings, so the Vikings go to Chicago October 9th, which is a Monday night game, and then the Vikings host them here, like you said, New Year's Eve. October 29 is our London game, according to a couple of uh, outlets, media outlets. October 29, Vikings, Cleveland Browns. Are we doing the show from in London? London. There's, Are we going? There's some negotiations about that. There's some working on that? Tea and crumpets on the Bumper to Bumper show. That'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be outstanding. I would take it. Sure. Uh, there's your five. It's four, but that's a good four, and it's five twelve. I have another that is worthy of the top five. We'll save for the next segment. That is Aaron Hernandez related. That is unbelievable. I'm not sure whether it's to be believed, but it is definitely worthy of a minute or two regarding potential motive for his suicide. We'll discuss that. Don't forget, Russo Radio, more hockey conversation is coming up at 5.55. Time now for your chance to win a grand. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the word BILLS to 200-200. You'll receive a confirmation text. Confirmed standard message and data rate supply. That's BILLS to 200-200. This is Barrero on the fan. Join Vikings fans on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium Saturday, April 29th for the Miller Lite Vikings Draft Fest. You can meet Vikings legends and current players, test your skills in the fan zone, as well as explore the Vikings voyage. Details are at KFAN.com. Speaking of the National Football League draft, which is right around the corner, a week from tonight, how about caller 11 right now, a pair of tickets to the Vikings Draft Fest, which will not be until a week from this Saturday, April 29, 10.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the People's Stadium. Caller 11, pair of tickets to Vikings Draft Fest, Saturday, April 29, from 10.30 in the morning until 6 at night u.s bank stadium you know the numbers the lines are ringing and uh we'll get caller number 11 very quickly and when we do you like me right now we got caller 11. you like me caller 11 has already been landed it was quick it was fast we get in we get out uh, not our only prize package today however before we're done 
We'll also uh, pass along a 2017 Wild Playoff Survival Kit, which uh, consists of, among other things, a rally towel, sunglasses, and uh, what's described as other various items. Kits are available at all Hockey Lodge locations and at Saturday's pregame party for 20 bucks. Proceeds from the survival kits will benefit the Minnesota Wild Foundation. That will be for later in this show. We'll give that away. And we already have our winner in our Vikings Draft Fest ducats. Um, it does have to take away from draft interest a little bit when you're not in round one. But if it is uh, a deep draft, maybe it shouldn't matter all that much. And it's the Vikings. So to that extent, it probably doesn't matter all that much either. There's going to be a significant amount of interest, especially for a team that does have some uh, significant needs and is trying to rebound quickly on the fly from a, a disastrous season, which had followed up a very, very good and um, encouraging season as well. This could have been top five at five uh, worthy. Uh, read this. This comes out of, um, I don't even know what website this is, but they're citing, among other people, the other outlets, the Boston Globe, when Aaron Hernandez died early Wednesday morning, most people assumed that it would mark the end of the Hernandez saga. But in reality, Hernandez's death could ultimately trigger a series of legal actions on the part of his family in the coming months and years. The Boston Globe reports that there is a good chance that the guilty verdict Hernandez received during, during the Odin Lloyd murder trial in 2015 could be voided as a result of a legal principle known as abatement ab initio. That principle would apply to Hernandez's case since he died before he was able to appeal the guilty verdict. And it essentially means that in the court's eyes, Hernandez died as an innocent man since all of the legal proceedings connected to his murder conviction did not play out before his death. This, they write, is where things could get complicated for the NFL, the Patriots, and the Hernandez family. After Hernandez was convicted of murder, the Patriots cut off all payments that were still owed to Hernandez under the final contract he signed with the team in 2012. As of 2013, the team owed him three and a quarter million bucks in bonus money and 2.5 million in guaranteed salary. Additionally, the NFL cut Hernandez off from receiving a pension from the league. But during an appearance on CSNNE's Toucher and Rich on Wednesday, an attorney named Michael Coyne argued that Hernandez's estate might be able to get its hands on that money since the NFL and the Patriots would no longer have a legal reason to hold on to it in light of his death. So, in effect, the suggestion here is, whether he was conscious of this or not, or had, we don't know, but that, in effect, um, is it possible that Aaron Hernandez killed himself knowing that, financially speaking, that could be the best thing to happen to his family, as horrific as this entire story might be. Yes. Uh, on the obvious end of it, that now the you know that, that that he is gone, he is dead. So I'm not a great legal mind on it, but some legal minds have at least broached the subject and have introduced that possibility. And that now a lot, uh, it sounds as if a lot of stuff's going to have to be sorted out. I saw th- I saw the same headlines yesterday that you were talking yeah. about that. The team can pay him, but also the the civil stuff. Like you know, there was going to be a number of civil right. cases sure. re- revolving around this case, and but now that's kind of untouchable, so to speak. So 
which doesn't seem right, does it? Like, I don't understand what triggered th- this kind of uh, law or this kind of system in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't there know. had to be some kind of yes. case where, yeah, absolutely. where they drew this up and they said, well, here's what we do. And this is why, this is how we handle the situation that then became the precedent. It just seems strange. Who gets the money? Yeah, so stay tuned. I, I'm sure it'll be sorted, but it might not be sorted soon. And it's, it's a sort of a macabre twist in this particular story, whether, again, Hernandez had any awareness of it. Um, I don't know that anybody knows. And um, maybe at some point we will get a little bit more information, but it is, uh, it's, a, it's a fairly bizarre development for sure. Um, we talked a lot of Wild early. We're going to talk about it with Russo Radio. How much better on a percentage basis do you feel about the Wild now that they won the first game? In other words... Is it an automatic major breakthrough? Obviously, they had to win to extend the series. But does it represent more than that? Does it represent an opening that this team has an excellent chance to take full advantage of now and that regardless of what history books say, which is this, it almost never, no matter what the relative strength of the two teams are, it almost never happens that a team that's down 3-0 wins the series. They 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 win games. Sometimes they win game four. Sometimes they win game five. Sometimes they win game six. But it is still extremely rare, regardless of the strength of two clubs, for one team to be able to knock off the other team four consecutive times. What's my percentage that I feel better? Yeah. Hmm. Is it 10%? Is it like... I, I think for some people... Even the uh, on the uh, national uh, TV crew, yeah, or international, I guess if you include Canada, yep. Um, the post game, I mean, it, they basically made it sound like, well, same as what the St. Louis Riders are saying. Blown chance what by the Blues. Idiots. Yeah, the Blues are idiots. They may never. I mean, they they may rue the day. Now you know, you got to fill the time, and they might rue the day, but. The notion that's it being advanced is almost as if now overconfidence is the Minnesota Wild's only enemy. Down three games to one, coming back home. Well, I feel good about it because I don't know what the percentage is, but I always, you know, we said this week, it's very easy to talk yourself into how the Wild can do it. Now, you might be delusional and the facts aren't on your side. Right. But the same principle still applies, whereas if you can just get that victory, if you can get game four, come back to St. Paul where I think even the St. Louis columnist today was writing that if you thought it was rabid the other night, games one and two, wait till you see it Saturday afternoon in St. Paul sure. because the, yeah. the, 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 team, be primed the a little fans bit. are going to, you know, they know like the Wild learned if, yesterday if they lose the season's over, Correct. as we were alerted to in the Star Tribune headline. But you win that game, and then you go back to game six, and all of a sudden it is all on the Blues. Now there's pressure on the Wild because they don't want their season to end, and it would be a disappointing way to go out given the regular season that they had. But you only know what you know at that time. You can only kind of react and be a human with the info that you have. Right. You know, so if you're the Wild and you're back in game six against St. Louis or in St. Louis, you're thinking, this is great. Who would have thought we were going to be here four days ago, given how we, we punted the first three games? We should go out and just take this opportunity where the Blues are thinking what? Man, I don't want to go back. We don't want to go back to St. Paul, do we? I know game sevens are, are weird and the road team can win them and everything. And we've already won in that building twice, but... So I feel good that they got it now. You know, now I like the chances the next game. I all bets are off after that because I I 
I get the game six logic, except that if the Blues go ahead one, if we get the six and they go ahead one to nothing, then all the pressure is back on the on the wild. I mean, I, I think that I think at some point the it's convenient to think there's only pressure on one team because it, it, it depends, I guess, how far back you want to go into this series. The Wild were supposed to win the series, no matter how well the Blues yeah, had played lately. For sure, and you could say that it's turned because St. Louis has won three in a row. But in the end, you still got a lot of pressure on you. If you if the if the Minnesota Wild this year don't get out of round one, uh, they'll feel that heat. So you know, I I I don't know if it's if I buy the notion that the the I get that the games played there. But using that same logic, can't you say the all the pressure is on the Wild in Game Five? They're going to have to feel the heat because if they don't do it again, they don't repeat what they did. They're done. I mean, you can and they're at home, and everybody now expects that they're going to win Game Five. Yeah, but so, I think the pressure is different. I mean, they're they're going to feel it, but I think the fact that they've they've gotten down three zero for some. I don't know if it's right or not. I could yeah. be wrong, but the pressure shifts, and everybody thinks the Wild is dead. So they, they've already—I think they've already, to a certain extent, like dealt a little bit with that pressure and dealt with that reality. And going, man, I can't believe that we're here, like that we're on the on the brink after a great regular season of losing. They're just trying—they're trying to do anything they can to just kind of shift that pressure back to St. Louis. I get what you're saying, but yeah. I do think I think it's a little different five and six. I don't I, know. I like the way they played. I, I, I you know, sure. I liked it because it was a combination of the way you came out and the way your goaltender performed. Because for the first time, your goaltender was better than their goaltender as well. Um, Charles Barkley continues to try to fend off the pitchforks. They want a piece of him. He's taking. He's absolutely accepting none of it. He's doubling down. We'll discuss next. Barrero's back after these on the fan. Russo Radio at 5.55 today. Our first chance to catch up. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With him since the Wilds' victory in uh, Game 4. What was the final? 2-0? Two 2-0, nothing? Two rip. Two nil, as First we like to say in the business. Time. Well, for dubs. The head coach made that point, by the way. It's funny. He was trying to sort of fend off dubs from the criticism, but he's the guy who brought up, I don't think he's had one of those since November or December. Huh. Interesting way for to kind of for him to kind of sneak that in, very cleverly, very subtly. Um, Charles Barkley, in his latest salvo, well, he's getting ripped, I guess, because he ripped the Golden State defense, and apparently the Golden State defense was pretty good against Portland last night. But I don't want to get into that. He also said, "I want to address something really bothering me. I heard that all these nitwits, fools, idiots were complaining." What I was saying about Isaiah Thomas the other night making me uncomfortable. Number one, I don't care what y'all think. I don't care what your mom and daddy think either, just for the record. But to insinuate what I was trying to, what I was saying, I'm uncomfortable talking about his pain and then going to basketball. For all you nitwits, nitwits 
scumbags, idiots, punks to try to make that a story because y'all don't have ratings and use my name to draw ratings. Don't do that. You don't have any talent. It's a simple fact. You don't have any talent. Let me be me. I've talked to Isaiah. He didn't take any offense to that. What I was talking about, I wish him and his family nothing but the best for you punks to try to make a big deal out of it. Just pisses me off. Apparently, Kenny Smith and Ernie Johnson also jumped to his defense. Um, I, I hope, as part of the rant, he did a better job than he did there attempting to explain what he originally meant when during, I think, pregames, or during pregame, before the Celtics' first game against the Bulls, the story was just sort of playing out that Isaiah Thomas, the Celtics guard, had lost his uh, sister to a one-car uh, accident. She was killed in the accident. Um, I, I hope he, does a be- he did a better job explaining what he was trying to say, because what I took out of his saying he was uncomfortable with the emotion that Thomas was showing before the game wasn't because a lot of people immediately the enlightened ones I like to call them took it as oh okay what he's he's trying to say that you know guys can't cry and you can't have emotion about something like that and because you're an athlete and you're on TV or whatever okay well let me give you the really the the truth and the sensitive version I don't think Barkley was saying that at all um, I don't think it was a a, a, a sort of a any kind of a vote against the show of emotion or that players can't be affected or that even male players can't blubber in a situation like that. Who wouldn't? But I think what he was speaking to was if you make, if you're Isaiah Thomas, you have every right, I think most people would agree, I'm certainly in the group that says you don't have to play in that game. You don't have to play in two. I know that you know basketball season's weird and that this was this is their this is the Celtics an entire season. It doesn't work like a regular job where you lose a loved one, where one day might not be any more significant than the next. But that said, I think most people would say you gotta do what you gotta do. Okay. But if you are going to play, then how the degree to which you can put yourself together is going to have an impact on your teammates, right? And so for Barkley, I think, to to muse out loud whether the signs were, is this kid ready to play? Because if he's not ready to play, no sin. But then better that he doesn't play as opposed to he attempts to do something under a difficult circumstance. Because in that, they're still playing the games. They're not postponing the games, Right, they're still going to play him. Yes, that decision has been made that the show must go on. To me, that's all he was saying. Now, as it turns out, Thomas statistically had a great first game, even though the Celtics lost. I think he had thirty-three points. So, and it wasn't like he was coming over to the bench um, and had to be, you know, somehow um, consoled. Consoled every time time he came off the court. Right, I, I don't think it was it was that way at all. But. We get into the. I mean, I, 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 I don't think that's an insensitive observation by Charles Barkley. Do you? I mean, I, I it doesn't. Well, especially the way he explained it as well. Yes. Like it's a, it is a weird transition from yes, th- thinking about somebody grieving, talking yes. about what that's going to be, correct, and then say, 
All right, now, do the Celtics have enough even as a number one seed? I mean, the Bulls are playing really well right now, and we know Rondo plays well in the postseason. Like, that, if that's really what he meant, I didn't hear the comments on the front end. Right. I've certainly seen the backlash from them. But if that's what he was trying to do and that's how he was trying to do it, I completely understand it. I mean, when he's saying it, it is unnatural then. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we dealt with that in the Final Four uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we do it at Army-Navy every year. Because we hear these stories yeah. that are unbelievable. Like coaches versus cancer give us a bunch of uh, interviews. And so Fran McCaffrey talks about his 15-year-old waking up one day having cancer. Right. One of his best friends dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, now we got to talk about the missed call at Williams Arena where you got mad. You know what I mean? Like there, are, it's, It is a difficult transition well, out of that deal. It is. But I guess beyond that, I don't think Barkley is out of bounds if part of his point is also, I don't. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that this kid's together for this, that he's ready for this moment. And I think for a lot of people, they rebel against that. It's the, how dare you? He's grieving. And I don't think Barkley's denying that he has every right to grieve, but if they're going to still play the game, he's offering up. Now, you could say he's better off staying away from it because before a game especially, um, you can – read too much into cues. In other words, the guy who just is dealing with that same tragedy, who's dry-eyed and seems as together as possible externally, might be a mess internally. And that that's why it's better for Barkley to not go down that particular road. I just don't think it was the grievous sin that some people, I mean, some people were like, they were really, they were, I'm bothered. Of course, we're bothered by everything. Well, that's the thing. Everybody's bothered. And we're, we're bothered to the extent that it's not enough to disagree with Charles Barkley. It's almost like, well, Charles Barkley needs to apologize. Charles Barkley needs to explain himself, which is part of why the culture is as screwed up as it is. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, he ended up, I mean, in terms of the, the, the statistics, he played well. One other thought, though, about this, that, that and I, I don't remember who I heard this from, but it was on a national show again. And it was the notion that the, the person was trying to make the point that he constantly marvels over the ability of athletes in similar situations to seemingly rise above whatever that moment is and to play at a marvelously high level. And it bugged me. That seems like a Greenberg thing it, to say. It might have been him. It, it, I don't want to put it on him, but it sounds like but here's Here's why. Well, nobody's a bigger uh, fan of Greenberg than I am. The me guy's too. I love unbelievably He's great. good. But whoever said it, well, here's what bugs me about it. Is it in some ways difficult to suffer that kind of loss and to try to plow forward and do your job again in the very public setting in which you have to do it? Yes, it is. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not sure it's any tougher than what the more anonymous person does having to go to the office the day after losing or two days after losing a loved one, whatever the case may be, or that first day back. Um, in a more in a more private setting, you know why? That person's probably not going to have twenty thousand people give them a standing ovation, and really do everything they can to. What do we do in that situation? We root like hell for the yeah, person try to who's going going through it. So, does that make it not hard? No, but I hate when we separate out athletes and 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 go with the notion that somehow, if they successfully deal with their pain. They're special. When the average Rube has to deal uh, much more quietly 
with maybe nowhere near as much you know public support because they don't have the same kind of job and still plow through and still try to do their job well now on the upside you know they also don't have the pressure of everybody maybe looking at them in their cubicle but that works i mean there's a hundred different ways where it, it 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 can be difficult under those conditions moving forward and i hate that pedestalizing thing of no but there's nothing like an athlete rising above it we we say that because we want to believe it that's really the only reason and i'm not saying it can't happen i'm just suggesting the idea that we try to pretend that they're at every disadvantage in a situation like that in a way that the average rube isn't no they're just different disadvantages there's different advantages and disadvantages for people in very different circumstances, right whether they're famous yeah. or not famous you're, you're going to tell me there's <laughs> i i can still even remember in school i remember in elementary school uh, uh, uh another kid who who lost I believe it was her mother at a pretty young age, and this is, like I said, elementary school, and she was trying to just basically her first day back in class, her first week back in class, and it was awful. I mean, that's is that her trying to come to grips with that and to move forward? That's that's not as tough as what Isaiah Thomas had to deal with? I don't buy it. It's just different, right? It's just not, let's not turn it into any more... I don't think it's any more heroic. It's it's a it's a storyline. Yeah, I get that. Right. And on a night where Brett Favre is paying homage to his father and plays one of the greatest games he's ever played, and he's sort of pushed on, that's a good story. I'm not saying it isn't, but there's a lot of average people who have to cope with the same kind of thing, and they're not going to get the same kind of fanfare. But they still got to go to work, and they still got to try to do their job well, right? Because sooner or later, that's the reality of it. I don't think it's any different in well, that sense. You that mentioned extent. part of it, too, is like a lot of it, you're going to your cube, and some people, they might not know what to say. I that's mean, true. You might be doing Absolutely it in isolation right. more yes. than anything else, whereas you can't, it's impossible to do it in isolation in this scenario. And you're going to get almost unanimous support in a situation publicly, right? Like that Isaiah Thomas is going to be, oh, my God. For sure. What a, what a horrific situation in which a loved one uh, finds himself or herself um, given what had just taken, was it the night before? Two, I don't know what the timing was, but it was very close. I think it was when, the, when a couple nights of game one. And it may well be affecting the way the teams play. You know, they're down two games to none. They lost the first two games of the series. It might or might not have any great impact on that. I don't know. Uh, we got Russo Radio next. Is that the plan? He's gonna. We're gonna have him about 555. Yes, sir. Well, what's we can't hurry him up a little bit? Well, we got long breaks anyway, don't we? Uh, we by the time we come back, yeah. it'll be about time to call. And by the time I finish this segment, you're listening to Barrero. Barrero, this is the fan. Controversial program today. Wes Walls joined us early to talk hockey. Wild, of course, have uh, staved off elimination at least for one game, maybe more. Also talked uh, football with Steve uh, Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. We kind of bookend the program with more hockey conversation here late. Russo Radio did surface. There was some concern on the part of my producer uh, that... We couldn't get a hold of him. 
It's weird because last week we couldn't get, couldn't get a hold of Louie. Yeah. And uh, maybe it it's us. It turned out there was a very specific reason for that. I don't know what the reason is on Russo Radio. Um, He's busy. That's all. You're, are you really? I don't even. I think you're not quite as busy as you pretend to be. <laughs> no, I really wasn't today. Yeah. I, I, I think what I, I think what happened is uh, is uh, is Gardzi texted me like right when I was taking off, and then when I landed, uh, you know, yeah, when yeah. I turned my phone back on, I got like a bunch of other sure. texts and tweets and things like that. So it just kind of overrode it. And the next thing I know, it was like four fifteen. I'm like, oh my god, I forgot to text Gardzi. There was some bitterness. And then, of course, and then of course, and then I look at the text and I see that he's uh, that he's you know said that from four fifteen to four fifty five, he was unavailable. So, you know, I I think, and I'm not a great iPhone mind. I don't know what kind of phone you have, but I think there's a way where you can prioritize that it that like messages from Gardzi goes to the top of the list. <laughs> and I, I think it's the least you can do. Yeah, I think there is something favorites. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah, there's and, a oh, way to do it. But the problem with the favorites is like, you know, those like you now that means you if you put your phone on do not disturb in the middle of the night and Gardzi call, then then obviously your phone rings. And that that's happen. true. You don't yeah, want you don't, they definitely don't, don't you don't need no. that for sure. Yeah. That's that's a that's a very good point. All right. So now that you've had a few hours to you know, you had to write about it on deadline. But you, now that you've had a, you know a little bit of time to kick back, at least to 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 let the victory, you know, kind of sink in. Uh, give me your uh, your takeaway from Game Four, what you saw, and maybe even what you saw that you didn't write about immediately that you think is worth mentioning now as well. Well, I, I don't, I, you know, it wasn't brain surgery. I think it was huge to get the first goal. Uh, that would have been absolutely devastating for the team to play that dominantly in the in the first period. Uh, not give up a shot in the first 10 minutes, only give up one in the first 18 and not leave that, that period with the lead. And finally they got one and, and it turned into a different game. And, and then in the second period, you know, it was great as seeing Dubnik play as well as he did because St. Louis came with a push. Uh, the wild didn't score on back-to-back power plays. That could have been a backbreaker, but the wild figured out a way to get that second goal. And it's, and it's because Dubnik helped, helped preserve that, that one goal lead. And then again, in the third period, when, when St. Louis really, really pushed hard, Dubnik was outstanding. So that's a really good sign uh, going into game five. I'd be really surprised at this point if they didn't at least force a game six. I think this is what the position that you have to get in if you're down 3-0 is to win that game four and get the get yourself back on home ice where you get forced to game six, and they did their job there. And then it, then it might get very interesting. You, you, you raise a pretty important point because as I'm watching the first period, um, in the back of my mind, I'm going, you know, this this is looking more and more like they're going to yeah. get out of this. It's going to be zero zero. Here we go again, and that maybe you don't recover from it. And so I think you're 100 percent right. You had to have a payoff this time. Absolutely, and, and it was probably good that they, they, you know, it comes off a Jake Allen mistake, so right? And all say that he's actually a human being. <laughs> um, and 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 yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lot of really good plays in that game. I mean, a lot of good play from players in that game. I thought. Again, Scandella was outstanding. I thought Hansel was awesome uh, on both ends of the ice. I thought all the lines that the majority that that Bruce unveiled last night uh, that worked. And now they get back on home ice. We'll get work again. Bruce will be able to control the matchup on Tarasenko. It'll be huge for the Blues if they do get Stasny back. Um, the rookie on that line, you know, he's good, but he's he's overmatched. He shouldn't be in a number one role at this stage in his career on number one center. And I think that getting Tarasenko back with somebody that he's really, uh, um, you know, has familiarity with and, and things like that, uh, I think that'll be big for him. No question about it. I think it's a very – Wes Walls made that very same point. Uh, before we continue, 
we do have another giveaway, and the timing's perfect. So how about Caller 11 right now, a 2017 Wild Playoff Survival Kit, which includes a rally towel, sunglasses, and a number of other items, I think including several Russo stories from the 2016-17 <laughs> season. Kits are available at all Hockey Lodge locations, and it's Saturday's pregame party for 20 bucks. The proceeds from the survival kits will benefit the Minnesota Wild Foundation. Caller 11 right now, a Wild Playoff Survival Kit. Um, the uh, it, it was interesting reading what came out of St. Louis because on the one hand, I get you know you got you got your chance to put your boot on the throat from their perspective. You don't want to open the door at all. Uh, on the other hand, I, I thought the stuff almost read like, well, now the series is not only reversed, it's over. And I, I I guess that surprised me a little bit because there's still a lot of things that have to happen. Uh, that rarely happen, you know, in the history of the National yeah. Hockey League, even if the Wild might be viewed as a superior team. Yeah, I mean, just look at the first three games. The Wild felt that at a minimum, two of them they deserved to win. Uh, you know, I can't think game two could have gone either way, and it went St. Louis's direction. But, you know, there's still three games the Wild have to win, and if, if you felt like you should have won two out of three and you didn't, you know that that could easily happen again. So the, the Wild are still the ones, to me, that have the pressure on them that they've got to play – perfect hockey and, and Bruce said today I mean he's still not overly happy with the way that they're playing he thinks they could be better he thinks there are still uh, four or five guys on this team that are not playing up to the, their capabilities and that they continually they they have to be better in game five um, so I'll be interested to see if they can come in and get some of those better efforts from some of those players the, I asked Walls this question I'll ask you it I mean in terms of the blue he said hey, well, if you're the wild you don't worry about the blues you just worry about what you're trying to do but mm-hmm. Um, you know, these teams sort of are what they are. That said, I mean... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Strategically, do you think anything changes from Mike Yo's standpoint in terms of the what, how he tries to attack Game 5? No, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think that you are who you are at this point. I mean, obviously, there's always adjustments. Um, I think that he's going to – I think they've got to at some point, especially as – if they do advance, uh, they've got to get to a position where they're not always playing this passively. I mean, they they were terrible in the first period yesterday, and um, and you can't just always hope that Jake Allen and your big defensemen are going to be able to bail you every night. At some point, you got to be more aggressive, um, and and you you just can't be a you got to get to, you know you can't be a two goals, and if you don't get two, you're not going to win type team. So I, I just uh, I look at, at at them as as getting to a point where they were in a pretty aggressive team in March when they were good, and I've, they've got to get back to that game, maybe deepening their lineup by getting Laterra back into the lineup, yep. putting in Stasny, we'll get that done. The We also uh, want to talk to you a little bit about Coyle, because uh, Walls' view was that the Coyle we've seen recently, uh, the, you know, we've, during the course of the series, there have been some finishing issues, obviously, but but the, the, the Coyle we've seen, he is. He says this is the guy. He he views him as playing with a greater edge. Some of that he put on physicality. Yeah. Some even more than that. But he basically said this is the this is the guy that we need to see and that he's kind of been waiting to see. Do you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's so maddening about Charlie Coyle is that this is him. And he, but unfortunately, there's you know he reminds me of a player that I used to cover, Rob Niedermeyer. You know, Robbie was one of those guys that it was hard to get him up for game 45 of the two game regular season. And then all of a sudden it was hard to get him up for 46 and 47, and then he went into a big lull. But once the playoffs came, he always seemed to rise to a different occasion to the point that when he was in Anaheim, he was a huge part of leading them to a cup. And, and Charlie's got that ability where it just seems like he goes into these long um, droughts where, it's, where you know, what, not only does confidence wane, but it just seems like he doesn't want to play with that same edge that you see last night. I mean, last night, I don't want to say that he willed them to victory, but he was he was as, that's as good as I've ever seen him play at every facet. It wasn't just that he scored the goal. It was, it was, it was the, you know, the hustling back check 42 seconds before Hansel scored. It was yeah. the, you know, the blocking of two big shots there. Um, you know, the physicality, the playing with the edge, the nastiness, the, the going to the net. I mean, when he gets into droughts during the regular season, he's not getting shots and he's not going to those hard areas where last night he did that. And so, Again, that's that's what's so maddening about him because he, he's one of those rare players in this league that really he's you know he's got all the tools, uh, you know, great shot, great wheels, good size, um, you know, good head on his shoulders, uh, unbelievable competitiveness off the ice. He's a, he's a workout fanatic. Um, he's got all of that, um, and and just to bring it all together in every single game is is what um, you know you want him to do, and he seems to be doing it now. Russo Radio on the fan. Uh, what what did you what did you think of Hansel last night? I thought he was good, and, and you know, I really do think he's been good for the most part in this series. I think his worst game was probably game three, but I thought he was really good in games one and two. I, I understand that it just seems because, obviously, the Wild went into a funk in March. We, you know, everybody wants to blame Marty Hansel for everything. Marty Hansel, it's not his fault he was traded. It's not his fault the price paid for him. Um, you know, statistically, he's got, I think, the second most points on the team since he's been here. Um, you know, he's, he's doing his job, and, and in – St. Louis, you saw Mike Yo trying to get uh, Tarasenko's line out there against Hansel mostly, uh, you know, and, and away from Koivu. And, and for the most part, uh, Tarasenko is, has been MIA. Is it uh, – I think you wrote a little bit about uh, about this today. Uh, is he – does anything change in terms of the the chance, the opportunity at all to bring him back next year? Well, you know, I think a lot of it will be up to him because he's got a price point that, and the Wild have a price point that they can afford. You know, right now they only have about, you know, $10 million in cap space if it stays flat, maybe a little more if it goes up a couple million dollars. But they got to re-sign Niederreiter. they got to re-sign um, uh, Granlin. I do think that Bruce Boudreau wants to solidify his top four going into next year um, in defense, and you know you're going to lose probably a defense and an expansion. So you're probably going to – you know, when you look at the free agents on the open market this year and the, and the fact that you don't have a ton of money to afford, um, you know, I don't see them going and getting that guy via free agency. You're probably going to have to get him via trade, and that means, uh, you know, you're probably going to have to make a move there with a forward. So, uh, you know, maybe that frees up some money to re-sign Hansel. So a lot of it has to do with what, how much he loves it here, how much he's willing to accept in a marketplace where there's not a lot of great centers, so you know somebody's going to pay him big bucks. It might be academic at this point with the way that uh, that Dubnik is playing, but uh, last night, Stalock backed him up. Kemper, uh, you list, is out as ill. Uh, is he going to be permanently ill? I mean, wh- wh- how, how is this going to play out the rest of the series? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. Uh, all I can tell you is he was sick yesterday and Stalock was in there, so... You know, I would think they'd go back to Kemper, uh, and you know, uh, but but 
you know, I can't say that for sure. What is, uh, you know, you didn't have a lot of time. I don't think, I don't know if you had any time to get to locker rooms last night, but what's, uh, what, what's the, what's the Mike Yo temperature either last night or today? <laughs> Uh, you know, just reading his quotes, I didn't get to his press conference last night, and then uh, this, and then I flew home today. Uh, but you know, he realizes that they've got to play better. I, I think that he still wants them to look very small picture. He thinks that they got looking too big picture yesterday, and that's why they look like a nervous flat team uh, for most of that first period. But yet, he took the optimistic point of view that look, we played our worst game of the series, and yet the game was right there for the taking, and we just couldn't solve Dubnik. So. You know, I've got to think the Blues. Uh, there's still a lot of great players in that or in that team. Um, Stasny has a history of, of playing well against against Minnesota. Um, now he hasn't played in in a month, um, so that would be tough for him to come into the series. But he's he, he, you know, for a team that can't win a draw right now and, and yeah. has a first line that other than Schwartz is, is just doesn't seem to be scoring. Uh, you know, specifically Tarasenko. Uh, getting him back in the lineup would be very, very big for St. Louis. Is it? I mean, is it definite? I mean, what, uh, that he's going to play in Game Five, or where? Where is that in terms of you know how we know if, how available they, he's going to be? They said that they'll give him a really good practice okay. tomorrow to make the decision. I, I think that he will. Um, you know, I don't think they want to make this a game of chance where all of a sudden you know you, you don't come out with your best potential lineup in Game Five, and then you're almost guaranteed that you're going to have to go home to Game Six, where then all the pressure is on you because you do not want to lose that game and go into a game seven. So um, I'd be surprised if he, if he uh, didn't play, but uh, you know, uh, but, you know, it is the playoffs. So I, I just, I think that we're going to see him in the lineup. The, uh, the, the Allen play on, on the, on the first, that's, that set up the first goal. Um, is that him? Is that him being way too casual or are, are we making too much out of it on the basis of, you know, what ended up being kind of a fortuitous bounce as well for well, Coyle? You know, I, I got to tell you, I, I really blame it on the linesman. I mean, it wasn't an icing. Um, there, like, I look at the replay, and it's very clear that it's close, but mm-hmm. Charlie Coyle um, is at the red line, and, and to me, when he chips that puck in, he, his stick goes over the red line and shoots him at an icing. Mm-hmm. But I heard the linesman loud and clear when the puck was at the face-off sc- circle screaming, no ice, no ice. So I think that's why he came out so late and so casually. And I think that he just was shocked when all of a sudden, because Stahl was, you know, it was a great chip by Coyle. It was in the perfect place, and Stahl was coming in on the forecheck. And I think he was shocked to see Stahl pressuring him. And when he did that, instead of wrapping it around the boards, he put it right on Coyle's stick. And it was just, you know, unlucky for him. But, again, I I thought the linesmen last night were atrocious. There were bad icings. There were missed offsides. The the, the face-off plays were, you know, the the amount of uh, blowing dead on face-offs was insane. Um, I just could not believe how how bad that was, and and I I I think that was just a late wave off of an icing there. Is this a trend for you from an officiating standpoint, or was that just a, just a bad night? You know, it's uh, it just seemed. Uh, I will tell you, I thought that game two of the linesmen made a lot of mistakes as well, and I was very surprised that the linesmen, uh, you know, in games one and two were the same. That usually doesn't happen. You know, I actually think that in a playoff series, it should be the same linesman every single night. I, I don't. I get changing the referees every game, but I don't get why. You know, you want to every single night have the same standard for for faceoffs and for faceoff interference and all that stuff. And so it makes sense to me to have two linesmen actually call the entire series. Um, and last night was just two different linesmen with two different standards, and it was just absurd. And um, and, and it was it never seemed to be the center's fault on a lot of these drops. It was always it was always the the, the winger jumping too soon. 
And I've never seen it. Uh, so many things called to a halt, and it really just took the flow away from the game, especially in the second period. Thanks for helping us out again today. We will uh, we'll talk soon. All right, see you then. Thanks, Russo Radio. Russo Radio on uh, The Fan. Game 5 is a 2 o'clock start on our flagship. And as Garzi reminds me, it's going to be the longest uh, beyond the pond in the history of that distinguished award-winning program. It'll start, as usual, at 10 o'clock. And it'll go, they tell me, till 1.30. Or is it 1 o'clock? One forty-five. One forty. so even longer. So three hours and almost a four-hour beyond the pond. And do I have this right? This is also the last scheduled beyond the pond of the season? That is correct. Well, that makes no sense. If the Wild advance... Yeah, we've talked about this. We've got... I mean, again, I you know I know, I know the, the hallowed tradition of... Um, tea to Green. Tea to Green. I get that. I yeah. go way back with Tea to Green. Yeah. Nobody's a bigger Tea to Green fan than I am, but Ping, I... Ping guy is chomping at the bit. I got a hunch, though, that Dan from Woodbury can be convinced to take a couple more weeks off if the hockey team keeps going. Because how do you or, you or you move beyond the pond? You got to have beyond the pond can't can't ex- cease to exist during the playoffs. Well, you know who you have to talk to about that—the brand coordinator. Well, the problem is he's gotten so haughty with the title and all the awards he's got that he thinks he can do no wrong. And you on this one. It. Now again, if we if we get eliminated in Game Five, it won't matter. It it's all matter. academic, and it'll be a, this happened very a year emotional ago, beyond the weird. pond. It happened a year ago. It happened two years ago. It's yeah. very strange. The funny part is, Common was saying there's bitterness that not that beyond the pond is ending next week or this week, but that T to Green next week is usurping what could be wall to wall Vikings draft coverage. Why oh, I didn't even think on of that. Day three That's of the draft. true. Oh, there will be some bitterness so about that. He said there already is. He yeah. says he's getting it from all angles, <laughs> the hockey community as well as the Vikings football community. Oh my, we will do the uh, Prism show wrap next. Time now for your chance to win a grand. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the word Money to 200-200. You'll receive a confirmation text. Confirmed. Standard message and data rate supply. That's money to 200-200. It's the Bumper to Bumper Show Wrap. Brought to you by Prism Clinical Research. Reasons we felt quite good about the performance of the Minnesota Wild in Game 4 started the program. Some of them uh, fairly obvious. Our goaltender played better and smarter than their goaltender, and we haven't been able to say that a lot in this series, even though our goaltender hasn't had much margin for error, certainly. We came out thoroughly and completely committed and engaged in the opening period, and as we talked about much later in the show with Russo Radio in the five at five fifty-five, just moments ago, they got a payoff this time. Because it was starting to feel a little bit like Game One, and you're going to closer, you're getting closer and closer to the end of the period, and you're saying, "Well, here we are again. What if we come out of this period and it's zero-zero? Not helpful." And uh, didn't have to happen this time, and didn't happen, and. Even better, as we talked about, funny, sometimes when you get a 1-0 lead, you can even expand it to two, which is ultimately what this club did 
Um, we did mock, I did a little bit, the notion of, out of St. Louis that the series is now over, that it's not only turned in one game, that their Blues now have very little chance now that they've opened the door. I, I'm sure there's a lot of Wild fans who hope that's true. And most of us, I think, believe there's a good chance the Wild will win game five now, but that's only halfway there. It's a long slog when uh, you have to win four in a row after you've four lost Boudreaux. the uh, first three. Four Boudreaux, that's exactly it. Um, Wes Walls helped us on hockey early. That was in the 3 o'clock hour, about 3.30. I mentioned Russo late in that regard. We had, uh, it's time. I mean, I hate to say it, but Marty Wexler week is next week. He will tentatively, we think, join us next Wednesday. That's the day before day one or night one of the draft. But uh, we had uh, Pro Football Focus guy today, Steve Palazzolo. I thought he was good. He was very wonky, but very uh, knowledgeable. And I, and I think actually quite engaging. Gave us a nice overview about the draft and confirming a lot of the things that we've believed about this draft for a while. Offensive linemen, not so good. Running backs, great. Cornerbacks, great. Whether you want one or not, you better you better get a cornerback somewhere in this draft because you'd be you'd be foolish That's what not he to. Said. He said everybody should just take one because exactly they're all right. good. It's exactly it. Now, are you more likely to want to have Steve on more if the Vikings draft picks all grade out really well with pro football focus or really poorly with pro football the latter. focus? The latter would be more interesting. Yeah, I think. But I'd do either. I can I, live with either. I think we should have, well, it'd be funny if every player he just shreds <laughs> with analytics. Rather rather humorous. We'll have to find out. Um, we also talked about a revolutionary idea that Portland is already trying out. Speed bumps on bike lanes. No! Yeah, yeah. And if we're going to keep up with the Joneses, will we follow suit? Even though it is not, we were, we we're rooting for it because the, the cycling community is all a Twitter no pun intended, quite bitter about that concept. We believe it's a wonderful, absolutely outstanding and creative notion. We also defended Charles Barkley's honor. He's under siege. Charles may not have handled the criticism uh, with a plum, but that's Charles Barkley. Like, he y- handled y'all, it as expected. Y'all are a bunch of idiots and morons and, stu- and stupid, and you don't have my ratings, and you don't, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But he scoreboarded some people. I, yeah, I, 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 I. It's in the group that kind of got what he was attempting to say. Um, I think those are the major items, right? Guests, walls at 3.30. Palazzolo, if you're interested in listening to some good, solid uh, draft discussion, 4.15. And Russo Radio, we just finished up with him at uh, 5.55. Tomorrow's broke program, we expect the return of Lavelli Neal III to break down your suddenly red-hot Minnesota Twins. Or what? Who blew a two-zip lead yeah. today to fall uh, six to two? They've now lost. What do we say? Seven out of nine? Yeah, because they're seven and eight now. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, we're and under five hundred. Five and one. We'll yeah. never see five hundred again. Well, they might. Well, Verlander's going tomorrow. Yeah, I don't feel I, good about our chances against Verlander. And we had Santana's on the mound today. Yeah, his problem was too many pitches, so, I guess so he had to leave after the sixth inning. And our offense once again was very, very tepid. It's fair. To say, even though Joe got his first double of the season, a frustrating. Pat Micheletti is scheduled to join tomorrow as well. We'll see. Uh, or how... maybe not. Maybe he wants to rest his voice for the four hour beyond the pod. Yeah, that is. That's and then you know they'll lengthy. do wine line. Well, you got to do wine. Yeah, line. you have to do Don't fan you? line after that. It's game five. Are they going to add? They, I'm assuming they're going to. They're going to have time to have any 
I mean, they, they could have 12 guests on that show if they wanted to. Are they going to do that? I think are considering having Norm Green on the show on oh, Saturday. that'd be huge. Just to get another local hockey yeah. flavor. Cause yeah, you're going like, to need it. That's and like 20 segments. Are they broadcasting from inside or outside the X? Do we know I, yet? I, I is do that, not, is I that don't know. yet to be determined? I bet it is yet to be Some determined. Some people might want to visit them well, if it's, it's outside. it's going to be a beautiful day. It's going to be 60 degrees on Thursday. That's not that beautiful. 60 and sunny? It's okay. That's nice. Depends on how windy it is. Well, it depends if you've been to Maui for two weeks in the last oh, there it you know, is. six There's months. The some Maui of us, some of us like the sun. There's Sorry. The Maui some of us like 60, Dan. Some, well, Maui After wasn't 80. It was 40 77. And overcast. Okay, Louie. 40 <laughs> and overcast. Yeah, a little, little windy today. Yeah, a little, little breezy. A little windy today. Coming in off the lake yeah. or the ocean, whatever the case may be. Anyway. Uh, tonight, what do we got? Fan on demand? Fan on demand. Oh, it's the fan air. outdoors night. Fan outdoors night. The captain is at his cabin, so that's always a little bit What's of a dice roll. What's that all about? He's got things to do. Well, that's convenient for him. He's what got... about commitment to the show? Well, he's doing the show from his cabin. Well, yeah, but that seems a little too convenient for the captain. You do your show from Maui a lot in your place there. Not really. Well, I should. Yeah. I should. I, more, I probably should do, do it more. Yeah, that's a very good more point. More than you do. Um, so that's it. That's the lineup tonight and tomorrow and a lot more now. The hockey season is at least extended for a couple of more days. We'll talk tomorrow beginning at 3. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the great time. We love you, Dan. Well, go Twins. Thank you for the, the airtime, and uh, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.